We're all on the spars, boys. <laughs> we're not. We're not one bit happy. That's uh, us on this boys, and we're not one bit happy. For immediate reaction from around the grounds, catch League of Ireland late night every Friday, 10 p.m. on Twitter Spaces. Follow at Off the Ball. OTB AM with Gillette. Get into your flow with the new Gillette Labs Razor with exfoliating bar. All right, half past seven Friday morning. A very good morning to you, wherever it is you are at. Delighted to have you with us here on OTBM on this Friday morning. Owen, good morning to you. Good morning, Adrian. What a stonker of a weekend we have, particularly Saturday. You're actually going to some live sport. How the hell are you going to manage to take it all in? How am I going to manage to do it? I mean, it is a tough life, isn't it? Tough gig. Yeah, very, very tough gig. It's not actually, there's not actually a whole pile of volume it's just the quality that people are going there's to there's a lot of volume with. too now to be it's fair just, it's just one there's only one overlapping moment really and that's yeah. the Leinster football final and Leinster's rugby final and there's a chance that one of those games could be a blowout both of those games could be a blowout Oof. you think the dubs could like turn it up I don't know about that I don't know I don't know if Kildare plays badly as they did uh, against Westmead I mean they beat them by three points but that that is possible I definitely think we'd I'm be doing sure. very well if you've got both of those screens on and you're nervous if you're a Leinster fan or a Dublin fan going down the home stretch. So mm-hmm. 60 plus minutes or 70 plus minutes in, in, in GA and rugby's case, respectively. If you're still nervous about the outcome of those two games, we've done very well, I think. And I think that both of those games would have been a cracker because you can't just look at Dublin either. You have to accept that Leinster being favourites for this game at the weekend, the manner of the win against Toulouse uh, in the last round suggests that they have the potential to blow anybody away uh, in this competition. So there's always that life possibility with with Leinster. I hope that's not the case and I hope we have a Mm. real good contest. But yeah, it'll be dual screening central for that after uh, a sunny Killarney that afternoon. It's going to be a great weekend for anybody who's going to the provincial finals, which just absolutely makes it and it feels that this is the beginning of the Irish sports summer. It feels like we could be doing more with the fact that there's four trophies to be given out this weekend and like just pitting the uh, Leinster final up against uh, the Leinster match just seems to have been I mean they're just missing a trick there I do think they're missing a trick in the marketing side as well like I mean I know look at the Super Sunday thing sometimes tends to be over-egged a little bit when you end up with like you know Wolves against Newcastle on a Super Sunday or whatever but like I mean what a what a weekend for four tro- it's uh, somewhat unprecedented yeah it is like it I, sort of fl- flies under the radar a little bit like we had this conversation on the show yesterday and I'm, I'm not overly I'm not overly bothered about this fact that the GA are going up against other sports I think that that's there's a no, and on your own two feet lads no bother to you. but that's not what I'm saying like I think it's like what, what? What? What would you do? Like what? What's? What's the alternative here? You have got four provincial finals. The TV broadcaster has to show the Champions League final as well. Could you do some sort of a mad Sunday situation where you just roll them all off on a Sunday and you do like back to back to back to back to back, and they're all live televised and they're all this is huge. I know you'd have might have started at like ten a.m. in the morning. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, I think I'll take three o'clock or five o'clock on a Saturday. Thank you very much. Yeah, if you went like twelve to four or six, four or six, that'd work. What about extra time? What about the people? Like, so who's who's your six o'clock? Straight game? penalties. Who's your twelve o'clock game? And who's your six o'clock game? Like, maybe your twelve o'clock game is Kildare Dublin, but sure they never put the dubs on that early. Six has to be your best one. So this weekend that'll be Roscommon Galway. Yeah, uh, Donny Galway. I'd probably Roscommon Galway. <laughs> like, uh, and yeah, maybe I. I, I, I don't You're not having so. that. No, I think that the, I think if you've got four provincial finals all into one week, two on a Saturday, two on a Sunday works perfectly. You 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 happen to be clashing with one of the biggest European weekends of the year. So be it. Like, I mean, I, I don't know. I think I, I think the GEA will, will survive the fact that one of their games, one of their games clashes with another sports game this weekend. There I, are still three other it's, games. It's the fact the, that it's the Leinster game against the Leinster game. And that's the, it's like, if it was, if it was, the, if it was any other game by that one, 
You'd be grand. Yeah. Like, I mean, they, they, would, they could flip it. They, they could have flipped it. They could have. In late notice, but Dublin will always be the Saturday night slot. Mm. When you look at the quarterfinals and the semifinals when they're on one weekend, the trend that I've noticed since the calendar has been uh, compressed a little bit is that Dublin always get the Saturday night slot. That's mm. just the, the way it works with Croke Park. They, they so have shown flexibility around, I think, it was some of the football matches last year, and they probably should have done it here. Like, I, I don't know what the... Uh, at, number of people that won't turn up because they'll be watching the rugby will be but it must be at least in the few thousand territory you would have thought flip it make the money from the tickets great day out for people you go and check out the GAA go to the pub afterwards watch the match in, in this scenario probably but at, at the same time they feel that Saturday night would get more people in the gates especially fill the hill out on a, at 5 o'clock on a Saturday than 3 o'clock on a Saturday and it's something that's worked for them uh, commercially very very well over the last few years so uh, that seems as sacrosanct as anything at the moment mm. the Dubs in the I'll, late Saturday slot I'll be watching it all from the couch in the company of a cheese board and a nice glass or something on Adrian just moved his laptop towards me a few <laughs> minutes ago people and said oh look at that photo and I was like what are you showing me here <laughs> and it was a photo of a cheese board <laughs> <laughs> what did you think of it? It, it was, yeah, it looked good. Come on now. It looked great. Oh, sensational. A friend of mine sent that on to me during the week. <laughs> that is saucy WhatsApp content right there. <laughs> Cheese board porn. 25 to 8. That's uh, what you get on OTBM on a Friday morning. Brought to you live each morning by Gillette Labs for an effortless finish to your day. Here's what's coming up uh, between now and 10 for you this morning. Uh, Kevin Kilban uh, is going to touch on loads of different bits and pieces. Uh, Everton celebrations of the pitch last weekend. Uh, some Champions League final chat, obviously. We are going to talk Saipan 20. Uh, and there's some good stuff in that uh, about that. And uh, also a slightly bizarre topic that he's been tweeting about the last little while. Um, and no better place than OTBM on a Friday morning to talk about the best ginger footballers of all time. That's Kevin Caban a little bit later on. Shag Kern is going to look ahead to that monster weekend of provincial finals, particularly the Connacht final, of course. Uh, I'll be picking my best Leinster 15 from all of the Heineken Cup finals, including tomorrow. Um, and that'll be coming your way at 25 past 8 this morning. So any thoughts about who should make that team? Um, get them into us. Garth Roberts uh, from the Anfield Rap will join us at 20 to 9 to look ahead to that Champions League final. Quick picks, Ashling and Tommy, uh, both live to make their selections for this weekend. Live crappy quiz as well at 20 past 9. Who's on that own? It is yourself versus Tommy versus John Duggan. Oh, wow, JD. Come on home, bring the trophy home. And Tim Vickery from last night's show as well at 20 to 10 this morning. So that's what's uh, coming your way uh, over the course of the morning. A reminder that we're calling all cycling enthusiasts this week. Skoda are the official main partner of the Tour de France. And to celebrate here on OTB Sports, we have a once-in-a-lifetime giveaway, as you can see on your screen there. This amazing prize, a VIP trip to stage 13 of the Tour de France from the 14th to the 16th of July. It includes flights, accommodation uh, for one winner and uh, whoever it is that you choose bring with you. All you're going to need uh, for your chance to win is to be available to travel on those dates, 14th to 16th of July and uh, to enter today, just name this Irish cyclist who enjoyed 17 years as a pro competing uh, 24 grand tours. His dad was also a cyclist and if you don't know by now he reached the business end of Dancing with the Stars. Who could it be? You will still see people taking risks to get a shot on TV in some crazy costume. You don't need to hear that again because uh, it's pretty obvious from the clue. Just tweet your answer uh, into us here at Off The Ball on the, uh, or on the OTBAM Twitter account. Each daily winner is going to win a €100, Euro one for all voucher and a Skoda cycling jersey. And we're going to throw off the grand prize. Uh, best luck to that. Skoda drivers, by the way, for another chance to win, you can check out skodaservice.ie. Right, it's coming up on 20 to 8. Delighted to have you with us. Keep the comments firing into us over the course of the morning. Uh, but right now on a massive weekend of sport... Uh, 
uh, we uh, managed to get a few minutes in the company of the great man Kevin Kilban back in the show. OTB AM. All right, oh, time to uh, turn our attention to football, and we have a lot to get through with our next guest. It is an agenda that is uh, that fill, fills over. Uh, Kevin Caban, how are you getting on? I'm good. I'm good, Adrian. Good to see you again. I've not been on for a while, have I? It's been quite a, a quite a long time, really, since I've spoken with you. Hasn't been for the lack of trying on our part. Well, apart from a few private messages, you know, we send each other a few WhatsApps uh, a couple of times a week, don't we? Apart from that, but we're we're, we're in touch enough, but just not uh, not on the, on the show or anything. I get a weekly review uh, into my phone some Friday afternoons, some Saturday afternoons. And I have to say, to be fair, it's, uh, it can be very cutting at times. I think it's quite reasonable. you know. Positive, positive, positive feedback, positive and negative feedback, whichever it is. I'm giving you feedback on the show. You know, I've, I've got a lot to say about Owen when I'm, when I'm messaging you as well. <laughs> a lot to say about, about Colm over the last couple of weeks. Uh, yeah. Uh, so there's, there's a lot to be said at times, isn't there? You a lot that needs happy. to be said. A lot that needs to be said, I might add, yeah. I played, uh, I wouldn't be in the habit of sharing the information you send over, but I did happen to be in Colin's <laughs> company yesterday, Friday, uh, last Friday evening. I did play him the uh, bit where you weren't happy with him. You weren't having his, uh, like, what are these Everton fans doing celebrating on the pitch after the Palace win stuff? No, it, it wasn't that. There was probably, there's probably a little bit of that. You, I, I can understand that. You, know, you, give, you, you take what he's saying, things like that, that's fine. But it was more that, he actually wanted to look at it through the eyes of what Roy Keane would think about it. Not his, it's not even his own opinion now. He's looking at somebody else to get to gather an opinion from, isn't he? So that was quite interesting. That was the interesting take that I, I took from it, really. Roy Keane brought Puppet. up Roy Keane. <laughs> Roy Keane puppet. <laughs> <laughs> no, you never would have known, would you? The, the man's obsessed. There is, and like, not, we don't need to get into it right now, but there is definitely like a post-Saipan well, this is the right things, the right way to do things. That wasn't all bad, by the way. I definitely had like uh, a positive impact in the country in terms of like best practice and you know how we we shouldn't be settling. I look at it's it's not really the debate about Everton bit on the pitch. You were um, delighted, obviously, post Palace. They yeah. packed up packed up the bags after that, obviously last weekend, but. Job done at that stage. I'd, yeah, I'd say there'd be some partying done um, after that game, wasn't there? It was. Um, no, I, I think it was job done. I, I, I think you touched on it, and you, you touched on it. Regardless of how a season goes, Everton's, you know, priority at the start of the season or target at the start of the season was not just to avoid relegation, but when when you get to thirty and thirty two games, the reality is in front of you where Everton are. You've got you've got to deal with the situation that you're in and. Um, I think I, I'd sent a message to you, Adrian, hadn't I, about th- there was a great interview. You know, I, it might have been on the World Feed. It might not have been on Sky with uh, Michael Keane and uh, Dominic Calvert-Lewin. And you could hear in the voice of Michael Keane what he was saying, uh, you know, the expectancy of playing for Everton. I, I remember when I signed for Everton and we've got, you know, Bill Kenwright, the chairman, would, would come in and, and, and speak to the players here and there. And he'd, he'd constantly bring up former players' names. We had Dave Hickson, who was a club legend, who would be coming around the changing rooms before the games. And, you know, we were always in the shadow of uh, Alan Ball, of um, Colin Harvey, Howie Kendall, Andy Gray, Graham Sharp, all these players because of the rich history that they had. And that club was on the verge of relegation. You can't get away from that. And the players were feeling it, regardless of who's wrong and who's right, who's to blame for Everton getting themselves in that situation. And the wages that Everton are paying now, astronomical wages, they should not be in the position they're in. We all know that. But they're still human. They were still feeling that pressure for the last six or eight games of the season. And 
I, I think it's full credit to them. And maybe even Lampard, I think you touched on it yourself, Adrian, you know, to, to galvanise the club. And I think Lampard recognised that he had to get the fans on board with him to really take to Lampard before even they take to the players and the club itself. I think there was a bit of that. Lampard had to really get to get a feeling for what the fans wanted from him and maybe what he wanted from the fans. And to, to, to get the turnaround the way that they did in those last few weeks, it, I think it was a special end to the season for them, really. And yes, we all know it's not where Everton should be, you know, given what the pain transfer fees were paying. The Frank Lampard commentary obviously is uh, fairly regular. What's your thoughts on him? Obviously, he's he done enough now to, uh, to move on, obviously, next season and all that. Are you uh, having him in the parlance? Um, personally, I, I think he was probably a little bit... I, I, I was going to say lucky then. I wouldn't say lucky. It's maybe a wrong thing to say. But I think fortunate to get the job in the first place. Um, if I was looking at where Everton were in, at, at that time, the position that they were in, there wasn't really much to suggest to me from Frank Lampard's CV that he was able to you know, take a club in the bottom half of the table and get them safe and, and start to rebuild. Did a good job at Derby. Obviously, didn't get them promoted in what he did. Chelsea's budget and the players that they had and everything was always going to suggest they were going to be a you know a top six club. That was how it was going to be. So, I didn't necessarily see the fit for Everton personally when he, when he got the job. But um, I think he's I think he's proved certainly that he's he's in touch with the club. You know, we've seen all the little clips that have come out on social media you know we've seen the bit where he was talking about Seamus Coleman and talking about the players and the group of players that he has there's a rebuilding job yes um, Lampard will obviously oversee that with with us at the club but I think he's I don't know he's grown on me that's what I would say I do right. think he, he, des- he deserves he deserves the uh, the job uh, long term now and I would like to see him given a good crack at it and, a, and you know a lot that you know maybe the club can move forward with him now and they can basically build something hopefully I'm I'm hopeful that something can be built that's quite special going forward Not looking back too much obviously on uh, the end of the Premier League Kev the Champions League final obviously took ahead to this weekend Liverpool against Real Madrid there were parts of that game I'd say uh, at the weekend the, the Liverpool Wolves match where geez, they looked really heavy legged in a way that I thought God, even regardless of what happens here today, this could have an impact next weekend. Is the Champions League the sort of mm. Champions League final the sort of a game that you just are able to put all that stuff to one side and it doesn't catch up with you? Or is there a point in the game where you've just become so tired from uh, from the season that like no matter what you're doing, an hour, 70 minutes into the game, it starts to hit you? It probably depends how the game's going, doesn't it? I think we're all in reality. That if, if Liverpool are a couple of goals up, two or three goals up, it, it does become easier for them. If, they, if they're struggling to to break down Real Madrid and maybe even a goal down or whatever it would be and they're chasing the match, then that tiredness can can seep in a little bit. But I don't know. I I, I honestly felt the weekend, I know it didn't really go the way that I, maybe I expected it with, with City going down 2-0. I, I thought City would prevail and get and get the job done. I think many, many of us all thought that. Um, so there was a little bit of maybe looking towards that Real Madrid game, not necessarily quite at it. I'm sure that Liverpool and Jurgen Klopp wouldn't say that, but it, it looked a little bit that way to me. There's always a bit of madness around Liverpool, isn't there, I feel? I think that's what makes Klopp so warm in. There's always a little bit of, uh, 
you know, I don't know, just 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 chaos around the team. I think when you're watching them, you, you, it's never as controlled as Man City. The City seem to control games, and with Liverpool, you always feel as though there's a chance that's going to be given up. However, that's going to be. So, I think that's going to be the case this weekend. But um, I think Liverpool are a better team. I think they'll be able to raise the game. And in answer to your question, I think. I think Liverpool will be will have enough on the board so that legginess and that tiredness won't necessarily uh, be as uh, be as prevalent. I think maybe at 16, 17 minutes. It it feels like a very very interesting build up where the night Real Madrid beat Manchester City or that week certainly there was a feeling that you know Liverpool are are, are heavy heavy favourites for this game. They still are if you look at the, the betting lines yeah. for this match. But it feels the general conversation has changed a bit over the last couple of weeks. It's almost like a build up to an All Ireland final where the underdog almost has mm. a chance more the more the days go by, even though there's absolutely no evidence for that. It feels like that's the way the conversation has moved for Real Madrid over the last couple of days. Like, do, do you feel that as well? That that increasingly, I guess, if you throw into the mix Liverpool's injuries, that you're starting to, to come around to the idea that Real Madrid really could upset the odds at least this weekend. Well, well, I mean, I'm not saying you, 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 you're basically asking me to sit on the fence, aren't you, with what with what I've already answered? I think Liverpool <laughs> will win the game, but. Um, but no, I, I think we all know with what Real Madrid have done, with those amazing comebacks, with what Karim Benzema has done this season, you look at what they've achieved in getting to the, I think getting to the final was an incredible achievement for Real Madrid. I, I didn't think they'd, they'd probably get out of the last 16 this season. It didn't look like the, the Spanish sides were really up to it compared to where they've been in maybe uh, five, ten years ago. So for them to get to the final and do what they did against City, first of all, because let's be honest now, 180 minutes against uh, Man City or whatever, including the extra the extra time, 200 and whatever minutes, they were outplayed. They were outplayed. If, you're, if I'm looking solely in the 180 minutes and the two-leg games in normal time, they were outplayed for probably 175, 170 minutes of, of that tie. And they found a way to win the game. So they can be outplayed in the game. Liverpool will create chances. Liverpool will be having that real high-pressure game, that real you know, dynamic running style that they've got, and it's hard to play against. But Real Madrid have, got, have found a way this, uh, this season to stay in matches, and they've got enough quality in midfield with Modric and Cruz and, and people like this that can control the tempo of the game if they are under pressure. So I, I get what you're saying, but... I, I, I don't think Liverpool have got too much. I think defensively, I think they're better than Man City. I don't think they'll they'll let what happened uh, happen. Uh, what happened to Man City happen to them. Um, and I think they can deal with crosses a lot better. Real Madrid crossed the ball a lot more than than maybe most sides do. Like from from what I've seen, certainly getting into wide areas, they put the ball in early. And I think Liverpool can deal with that more. I think they might even get behind Liverpool's fullbacks. They might get into crossing positions. Uh, but I think Liverpool will be able to deal uh, a lot better than Man City could with that. And I, I, I think Liverpool could win this 2-3-1. or three, one. I, I do think that. I, I, you know, 2-1's not necessarily convincing, but it might be a late goal for Real Madrid. I, I, I think this game could be comfortable enough for Liverpool, really. Like on that Real Madrid point, like there's been a bit of debate on the show over the last couple of months about whether Ancelotti is a good manager or a great manager. Like, where, where is where is he in in I guess the the general notional rankings in your head? Like, is he a top five manager, a top ten manager in Europe right now, or uh, or, or where do you see him? Uh, well, I, I, I from even from when he's when he was at Everton, I'm sure you know you'll probably speak into people that were involved with him uh, in in years to come. I'm sure of that as well. He's he's not necessarily a coach. He's not. He's not Jurgen Klopp the way that he, you know, is on the training ground or like Pep Guardiola is on the training ground constantly. He's, he's there, but he's not necessarily got the, the full hands-on day-to-day like those other coaches have. So from if you're looking at it from a coach, he's probably not in the top 10, no. But 
he has a way to to get the best out of players. Yes, on the training ground, maybe little little drops of information that he'll give the players. But certainly when it comes closer to the game time, he's been there, he's seen it. You know, certainly as a player, he's seen it. Certainly as a coach, he's seen it. And players are able to 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 take on board what he says. So I think I think for what he's achieved, certainly in the last 10 years, Owen, maybe 15 years, there's been no better coach in the Champions League, has there? So you have to give him the full credit he deserves for what he's achieved for that. So there's more ways to skin a cat. That's all I would say. There's, you know, It's not necessarily about being that hands-on coach every single day on the training ground. It's sometimes it is about taking that step back and evaluating what players you have and being able to talk to them, being able to speak to them. I think there's a lot of coaches don't have that skill. Personally, for even, even my experience, I found that. And I think Ancelotti... I remember listening to Mark Lawrence and I think he was on with you and Jero and where he was just saying about he's a he's a good guy. He's a I think people do warm to him no matter what walk of life you're from. And I think he has that charisma about him that, that players can actually really attach themselves to. And I think that's where he's had his success. And and I think that a good guy persona has really been kind of played up as well over the last couple of weeks. Not that he's been trying to do that, just it helps that you have a title win and all your players are on their phone yeah. and like you have the sort of affable old fellow with the cigar and the sunglasses and like that helps yeah. the image when, when we're talking about it. Just just on, on the flip side then, Kevin, with regards to one of the big storylines from Liverpool side of things going into this week, it is of course around Mo Salah. Mo Salah saying that he's going to be at the club next season. Sadio Mane says he will speak to the media after the match and shed some light on his future at the club. What do you think is going to happen here? What's your gut telling you with regards to those two players? Uh, I'd look at Mo Salah and probably it's where he's going to go. Um, you know, is, is it solely going to come down to finances for them? Uh, Liverpool, as we probably, every, most would know, probably can't compete. They might not even be able to compete with, with Newcastle in the Premier League over the next few years, but they can't compete with Man City when it comes to, to wages. They can't compete with, uh, with PSG when it comes to wages. So if you're going to throw in, you know, an extra whatever million to a player a year when he's earning... 150, 200 grand a week, whatever it will be, is that going to make a difference to him? He, he, he has to see somewhere where both Salah and Mane have to see somewhere where they're going to be going to win trophies because Liverpool are in a prime position right now to be the dominant force in Europe or one of the dominant forces in Europe in contention for every trophy over the next two or three seasons. And before you know it, how old Salah now? He's approaching he, he 30, be, isn't he? He will be 31 next summer. So he's going to turn 30 this June, yeah. Yeah, so if you're looking at that, you know, if he gets, he might have two or three years at the level that he's at. Certainly, if you look at the amount of games that he's played over the last few years as well, obviously not wanting to tempt fate for him for his own career, but he's played a lot of games at such a high tempo, something I feel would always have to give when you're playing at that level. And it's the same with Mane as well. So unless they're going somewhere... Uh, to, to to seriously compete, I, I don't see the need for them to be going for to play for, for for PSG or Real Madrid or whatever it would be, unless it's personally the personal prestige and whether it's something that's within that wants to play for those clubs. They're not going to get any better than Liverpool, I don't think, in terms of um, trophy contention over the next few years. So, I I, I personally think that, that it, their best option is probably to stay. But I'm not in their camp. I don't know what's happening around the agents. So. I was even reading about um, Moussa Dembele today, which looks like he's leaving uh, Barcelona. Barcelona are not meeting his agent's demands, which is crazy when you think about it. It looks like he's going to sign for PSG because they can meet his agent's demands. It's not coming down to what a player wants now. It's what an agent can demand from clubs. So this, these factors are going to play in. I don't know who uh, Sané's agent is. 
or Mane's agent is, sorry, and I don't know who Salah's agent is, but these agents now play a big role in in, in dictating where, where the players go, solely down to their their own uh, their own financial gain. See what happens at the weekend. You pinned your colours as the master already, so I'm not going to ask you for a prediction on that. We do sorry, Us- Usman Dembele. I got the name wrong there. Usman Dembele. Sorry. sorry we're throwing Sane, Sane in there as well, so there was all sorts yeah, of... Yeah, I know. I, you know, you know. We got sorry, the gist. Sorry. We got the gist. We got yeah, the gist. thanks. Thanks a lot. Um, you were uh, tweeting a couple of things during the week that we wanted to talk about. One of them was the uh, David Connolly, Jason McIntyre um, 20 year <laughs> celebration, Kev. Is that right? From the 2002 World Cup, the Saipan anniversary, I think is how we're, how we're terming all, terming, uh, terming Saipan anniversary. Um, uh, yeah, 20 years, yeah. yeah. Um, the, the, yeah I think, the I think Jason, sta- J- Jason started off his piece, didn't he, by saying, I'd love to bury it in what was that show that used to go and bury uh, it? Room 101. Ne- yeah, room 101, never, ne- never to be seen or heard of again. Yeah, I think there's a lot of us that feel a bit like that, yeah. Um, but that notwithstanding, <laughs> uh, you know, he's David Connolly is sitting on the greatest Irish sporting documentary never made. Those yeah, tapes, I know you were, you were, you're on those tapes. I think so, maybe on there somewhere. Probably most. I mean, all I remember were Dave. Dave's walking around with his camcorder. I think it was almost after the Nigeria game. It might have actually been over when we went over for the for Quinny's testimonial at Sunderland. I think Dave starts with the, with the camcorder, and you can imagine. What the lads are like, just Dave, get that fucking thing out of my face, will you? Will you go at the back? And Dave's like, oh, what do you think about this? And imagine what he's, imagine Kenny. Can you just imagine Kenny with a camcorder stuck in his face when he's like, you know, uh, when he's getting ready for preparing for a training session after he's had a bath for an hour and he's stretched on the corridor for two hours to get himself prepared for, for a session, you know? Um, it, it's funny. It's funny when you think about it now that I, I think I've said it to you guys in the past privately when we've been speaking. I'm glad it's, I'm glad it's all out there now. Dave has had this tape for years and I, I, I've not spoke too much to Dave about it, it but it's crazy to think that even you know leading up to it what happened Dave was walking around with his camcorder reaction on the bus after training before training all these sort of things and also that in the aftermath what happened Dave's, Dave's got the tapes there I think there was a rumour going around that Dave had the camcorder set up in the meeting that night I'm not too sure how accurate that is but the, the camcorder set up uh, in that room and it was playing but again I don't know how how accurate that is like you I know the lads were talking about it during the week but if you had that you would be I mean I think it would be <laughs> half naming his price anyway but bloody hell that would be sensational he doesn't, know, he doesn't actually have that does he it didn't seem like during the week that that was something that he was I never united. said that, that there was a rumour I think it was I think it was Brini has said that at one time to me that he actually the, 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 the camera was rolling whether or not it was you know they were both in shot but certainly the uh I think there was, there was a rumour, again, I don't know, audio, that's what I'm looking for, Owen, yeah, the audio's there, but I don't know how true that is. The uh, the entire affair um, obviously rests on this idea of the feigning injury bit, the faking injury bit, and Keane saying that McCarthy accused him of faking injury to miss out in the Iran game, the second yeah. game, you know, that it was it was out of sight, and then, there's, so there's, and then after that you start to unpack that, there's all this stuff about an arrangement obviously between Ferguson and McCarthy that if there was a positive outcome in that first leg, which suddenly they understood it to be the case. Um, but a misunderstanding almost kept uh, yeah. between that and what Mick McCarthy was actually asking him to apologise to the squad over. Is that fair enough? Or, or sorry, yeah, per, is that your reading of it? I don't want to be putting words in uh, Yeah. No, uh, no I, I've said it before though. I've said it before, Adrian. I, I, this I hadn't seen this this line coming out from Roy actually that he was accused of feigning injury. I, I didn't see this video that came out, and he must have said it on that video. I don't. I never watched the video. I didn't even know there was a video out. Honestly, God, I didn't know that. Uh, 
I'd never really heard the heard the line from Roy that he was accused of feigning injury, and it probably stuck in my mind more. I was listening to a podcast that Roy was working for ITV, I think, on um, on the World Cup in in Russia, and Roy said at the World Cup uh, that you know he goes, well, what what was I supposed to do? I was accused of feigning injury. I have to defend myself, or worse to that effect. And it was, I, I I never heard that. I don't think any player has ever really been asked that question. Did you hear Mick McCarthy tell Roy that he feigned injury to miss an Island game? I, I've never I've never heard one player even answer that question. Uh, that cool. was I, that was Why? never said in the room. No, but it was never said never in the room. Right. Well, I mean, there was honestly it, it was never said. Now it could be misconstrued uh, that 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 was said. What Mick said to him was Mick had obviously brought up this article that Roy had written with Tom Humphries and. Uh, and he was talking about that and he wanted an explanation for him writing this piece and and Roy had said he said his piece uh, whatever he'd said I think you know people get the gist of what Roy had said to Mick and Mick said to him well do you not think you owe the, these lads an apology because they went to Iran and finished the job you, it, it, that, it was a, an apology for what maybe Mick had read uh, from what Roy had said about us in this piece, saying that maybe a lot, some of the players aren't up to the standard and, and not, I think I, I don't even know what was said in the interview, but in, in that interview with Tom Humphreys, I'm just guessing. But there was there was words to that effect that you know we a lot of the other players in the squad were questioned on maybe ability, on maybe their desires, and all these sort of things. And I think I read it, I read it that back then that Mick was looking for an apology for that. Look, can you just apologise, lads? These lads went to Iran. They actually got the job done over in Iran. You, you weren't there. You went back to play for your club, Man United, and you didn't come and see the job through with us. It would, wasn't. Would you, have, I, would, you have, would you have expected an apology for that? No, I wouldn't have expected an apology. But I, whether or not it was a, it was a provocative, um, you know, message that was said to Roy, looking for a reaction, you know, from from that yeah. look, whether yeah, whether because, or not why, because was, why was he asking the question? If it wasn't I don't know, expected. honestly. Yeah, but you'd have to ask Mick on that. But it, what, it yeah. certainly wasn't. It certainly wasn't saying, "Look, you feigned injury to miss an Ireland game." That was never said. Absolutely never said in that room. And you know, and I'd probably say that the, every what everybody else that was in that room would probably back me up on that. That they never heard Mick saying, "Look, you feigned injury to to uh, to go back and play for your club." There was a, everybody knew those arrangements. Lots of times when Roy Roy didn't play friendlies, Roy stayed back at his club because he had injury issues and that was just the way that it was there was no there was no issue with us at all for that we all knew how it was we we, we would have all preferred Roy having Roy for those big games and that was it personally from my point of view that was the biggest game of my career those two legs and I look back on my career and maybe they were the biggest because it was that final hurdle and actually getting the job done so that's how I look at it but there was no suggestion from Mick to say that I never heard that. I didn't hear that. And, I, and I'd love if that question was ever asked of the players. Look, did you hear Mick saying that Roy feigned injury to go back and play for United? Because I don't think that's that was how it was said. Now, that's how Roy probably took it. But even in that moment, I didn't read it that way at all. It's become uh, it's become fact almost, isn't it? Like, yeah, it, really it has become fact. I think it's unfair. I think I think that is unfair. That I said that I never I never heard that. And, that's where it is, and and I, I've never heard Mick being asked that question. Honestly, I'm sure Mick's probably spoken about it, but has Mick ever been asked the question? Did you accuse Roy of feigning injury? And I'm sure I'm. I've never I've never spoke to Mick privately about it. Honestly, I haven't. But I'm sure that Mick would probably would undoubtedly say I I didn't because it, I never heard it. And it, I honestly, as far as I'm concerned, that was never said in that room. So if if that's how it was, how it was, you know. Um, 
how how it came over to Roy, then that's how it came over. But no, I didn't. I didn't actually read that uh, like that at all whatsoever. No, you'd nearly think like Mick McCarthy should have come out at some point in the meantime. I know you're saying you've never been asked about it, but like, geez, you just want because it's such a fissure over here in terms of the split that's created that. Obviously, uh, twenty years. Yeah, but it, I mean, the, the split was there anyway. You know, I, I, I even listened. Was it just to a reason? Like, is, is, that, is that the essence of it? Was it just everybody looking for a reason to have a row? Um, listening to lads, you could probably get that opinion the other day, uh, didn't you? You know, there was a there was a long journey. We we flown via I don't know what, what I I can't remember. We did we flew Dublin Amsterdam I think Amsterdam Tokyo Tokyo Saipan. And you can imagine that we've done a lot of traveling and, you know, whatever you people might say, look, prima donnas or whatever, you know, narky little arseholes or whatever it would be. Um, but there was a lot of tension. Yeah, there was a lot of tension around the squad. Yeah, there was, particularly when we got there and the kit hadn't arrived. That was the big thing, wasn't it? The kit doesn't arrive and everybody's now tetchy, edgy. Mick's obviously totally pissed off that the kit's not arrived, but we've got to make do with the situation. And that was how it was. So we had to do some sort of training session and we did. Um, and then we turn up for the on the pitch, and the pitch is horrendous—the worst pitch that you know we've we've all played on some awful pitches in our time. But this was as bad as you're ever going to see. There was holes, potholes all over the pitch, and we're we're supposed to be preparing for a World Cup, and this pitch is the the, the, the pitch that's been put on for us. So there was a lot of things you can imagine, can't you? You can imagine there's probably a few tackles going in training, a few flaring elbows going about. There was a lot that was happening, and then throw in the mix that the goalkeepers are not taking part in the game. You, 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 you know, I'm just, I'm probably trying to paint a picture of it there, but you can well imagine that a group of lads together that have been, you know, we've probably been caged up at that stage for only a, a week or so, not even that. But there was a lot of tension. Yeah, there was a lot of tension. And um, I think that's probably what it all spilled over. I think certainly Roy had his, said his piece to Tom Humphreys or did his piece with Tom Humphreys in the Irish Times. And then it went, it went from there, didn't it? There, there was a moment in the interview that Joe Malloy did with uh, Mick McCarthy in 2018 when they were speaking in the aftermath of the Jonathan Walters saga where Roy Keane accused him of spending a little bit too much time on the treatment table. And McCarthy said, you never accuse a player of feigning injury, do you? And Joe said, no, that's a load of comment to make. McCarthy said, or do you have the right to do it? I don't know. And Joe said, are you saying that you didn't? And Mick McCarthy said, I'm not saying anything I did. Uh, so cryptic, but uh, yeah. it has it has kind of half been put to, to Mick McCarthy. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, um, I was in on that interview with Joe as well. I was there with Joe when we interviewed Mick. Um, I don't even remember him saying that to be quite honest. With you. But no, I, cryptic. Yeah, fair enough. But I, I, I don't know. I, I I think it's something that maybe Mick Mick has been reluctant to speak about. I don't know. I, whether or not I, I missed something, whether or not that had been said privately between the two of them, I don't know. It could have been because they, they had had a series of meetings leading into that. So that could have been said privately. I don't know. That's that's my whole point. It Was it said privately? And that's what's maybe flipped everything up. I, I mean, I, I've said to you guys as well, I remember before that meeting start, Roy said it's going to go off tonight. So the the meetings that they'd all had prior, I was sat next to Roy eating dinner that, that evening. So, I was sat next to him when they were having the conversation with Mick. So, um, you know, they could have that could have been brought up. That could have been said to Roy privately to him personally. That's why it went off the way that it did. I don't know. I don't know. That's why there's, there's so much within it that a lot of the players that even that were in the room that witnessed what happened at the end of it, 
there was so much that happened probably prior to that that we 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 never witnessed and we would never be privy to. You had dinner with him that night before the meeting. The night before the meeting. Sorry, say that again. Is that what, what, when did you have dinner with him? No, you yeah, just, that, that, that no during 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 the meeting the fallout. I was sat next to Roy when okay. the fallout was happening. Yeah, right. I thought you knew that, didn't you? Yeah, you knew that. Yeah, I think I remember talking about it before. Yeah. Yeah, we, okay. we don't need to talk about it now, do we? <laughs> <laughs> I come here, one, one last one for me. The Jason McIntyre interview I thought was interesting during the week because in the middle of it he said, if I've done anything, if I've said anything to upset him, then I apologise for that. I've never heard Jason McIntyre being as conciliatory as that before. You're grinning as if to say maybe he didn't really mean it, but it did feel uh, as if it was something, he was saying something by way of an olive branch in so much as it would ever be accepted or in so much as it's worth. What's the what? You, you're obviously in a different part of the world now, and you don't bit, bump into him at games. And I'm sure you're not uh, having a huge amount of texts over and back anymore. But mm. um, you know, what is the feeling toward him now amongst the other players? Is there any warmth, respect? What is it? Yeah, I, th- I think Dave Conley had even said it the other day. You you have to respect Roy totally for the player that he was and what he brought to our team. Roy was just an absolutely incredible footballer. Even listening to, to I was listening to Jer and Owen, I think it was on the morning of that, when I was listening to their show and, and Jer said Roy was the best in the world. And, you know, you can make that, you could easily make that argument that Roy was the best yeah. in the world. And personally, I would probably say, I would probably agree with Jer in saying that. Honestly, Wood, there was no one better at controlling a game across the world, I don't think, world football than him. Or he, you could actually put him up there with, with anyone. There was a lot of players within that Man United um, team that people will put, try to put on a higher pedestal than Roy, than Roy Scholes. Maybe some might even say Beckham or whatever. You know, honestly, it's it's crazy because I know, for a, I know even speaking to the guys that play for Man United around that time, that the one person that they trusted and relied on to take the ball, to do, uh, to control the game, to, to, you know, if they needed something, a, a bit of life brought to the game, it was Roy. Roy was... An incredible, incredible player to dictate the, the you know the tempo of games and all of this. But Roy was an incredible player itself, full stop. So we all have an, an amazing amount of respect for Roy from what he brought to our team. Absolutely, yeah. But <laughs> as well, what do you mean? Pause. Well, like if you bumped in, no. if you passed him in the street right now, would you? Would there be an acknowledgement almost? I don't think he'd acknowledge me. I think that's probably what it would be. Um, there's a, there's a lot. Uh, fall, I, you know, I, I probably out of nearly all the teammates, this, 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 all my teammates that I would have played with you, I would always say hi. I, I speak to very few, very very few uh, that I would have played alongside. But there's there's still lads that you know that I'm in contact with, and I'll chat to them. Uh, but there's lads that I haven't seen for a long time, and you, you could sit down and have a conversation. I don't think it would be the case with Roy. No, I think that he would he would totally ignore me and, and everything that I have to say. So I think there's a lot of players that's in that position and that's largely down to this. You're asking yeah. us questions about Saipan and you're asking us to, to give our opinion on it. And if we give our opinion on it, I give an opinion on Roy once where I felt he was maybe a little bit out of order where he was talking about players prior to 2016, uh, the Euros, when he named the squad and Roy came out to name the squad. We, it was down in court, wasn't it? Down at Turner's Cross where we played mm-hmm. Belarus and the squad was announced that that day, I after think, that, that evening. Was it after that? I remember that game, yeah. Was it after that game it was announced? 
Yeah, just after just that game, the squad was yeah. announced, and Roy criticised Aidan McGeady, criticised a few players, and I felt I, I I I was asked the question when I was on air. I said, "Look, you know, your assistant manager saying that," and I I personally just I just said I can only imagine sat in the dressing room with Roy Keane if Ian Evans, our assistant manager, or Chris Shooton or Noel O'Reilly that that I would have played in the same team uh, under. I could imagine what Roy would have been saying if those assistant managers would have been coming out criticising those players like he did. And I, and I said that. I said, I just can't imagine any other assistant manager criticising the players the way that Roy has criticised those players right now. And I think it is wrong. I don't think it's right at all. But um, when you say things like that about him, it, you know, the, the, uh, um, the, the, uh, the fire has almost been set, and hasn't it? There's, there's, no, there's no comeback in Roy's eyes. You've criticised him and that's it. He, he, he won't talk to you again. He wasn't happy with you? No, not at all. Not at all. No, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> well, do you want me to elaborate? There's nothing else to say. I got a text message off him and that was pretty much it. So that's pretty much the end of that relationship, yeah. Um, now, you said the uh, internet live a couple of weeks ago, Kev. Uh, it was about a thousand responses between your tweet and Stan Collymore was getting involved with various other uh, high-profile high celebrities. Um, and okay. I think you've come to the right home for uh, for having this discussion about the greatest ginger footballers of all time. Um, <laughs> because, you know, there's at least two of us here, Kev, who are, uh, who are fully signed up members to that family. At least two. I'm not yeah, sure if you're I'm, fully signed I, up, Adrian. I, I'm signed up. Well, he, no, he's not signed up to anything. You know, he changes he changes his spots every week, that boy, doesn't he? You know that. <laughs> we know that. Yeah, exactly. He doesn't know where he's from, Owen. He doesn't know where he's from. He doesn't know who he is. So, he just, you know, he tries to make out he's from Athlone. You never would have, you never would have known that. But Any anyway. of the three of us has an identity crisis. No, I do have a bit... I do have a bit of ginger in me. I do, yeah. My beard... In my beard as well. Now, I've got a bit of a messy going on with my beard. Uh, Messi obviously got. Can you claim Messi? Can you claim Messi for a could. ginger? You probably could. Yeah. Oh, gee, yeah. There you go. I've got mine's going grey now. Mine's going grey. My beard uh, where my ginger was, but no, I've got I've got a bit of ginger in there. Yeah. So we've we've tasked you based on you'd thrown out a tweet saying that who who are the greatest ginger footballers of all time, and it was as I said, there was about a thousand responses to it. So we've tasked you with uh, firstly giving us the five players from your era between then and now, uh, five greatest ginger footballers. Yeah, well, no. If we're going about the greatest of all time, I have to stop you there as well now because Jimmy Johnson. I know I'm a Celtic fan. I was a Celtic fan growing up, and Jimmy Johnson was always the name. Little Jinky was always the name. So, I I probably say the greatest of all time is Jinky Johnson. The greatest ginger of all time is is, is Jimmy Johnson. Everton as an Evertonian, everyone would tell me Alan Ball. Alan Ball is the greatest ginger of all time as well. So we. We have to start by saying those two are not in the mix because we haven't seen those two play. You and I, and, and Owen, Owen especially, hasn't seen those play. Um, but we have to we have to throw some uh, we have to throw those two names in right at the start. And I'd probably say that's one and two in the, the best gingers of all time, just to start with. And now okay. we can move on to to our era. It's not even Owen's era now because Owen probably won't remember some of these names. You know, yeah, that's what makes you feel old. Have. Well, some, sometimes I listen to the show when you're talking to Owen, and you'll throw a name in from. 1990. I, I, I'm trying to think. I, I can't even think of a name now. Uh, a name that would have been quite prevalent to us or quite prominent to us watching Stephen Premier League. Stephen no. No, right, think, well, let's, let's throw that straight away. Stefan Effenberg straight away. He's got to be in the mix, hasn't he? He's got to be in the yes. top five. Owen's probably never heard of him. 100%, 100% top five. I think also as well, you, you sometimes make it, you sometimes get confused between my youth and my stupidity. 
so having not heard of a player doesn't necessarily mean that I was just too young. I could just yeah, uh, be yeah. completely, completely uh, ignorant to their existence, you know? Yeah. All right. All right. I'll give you that one. I'll give you that one as well then. Yeah. Um, but trying to think of, of yeah, I, I, I was actually trying to message you some names today, uh, um, Adrian, wasn't I? Trying to get you some names sent across to you just so you'd bring them in mind. But obviously, <laughs> obviously, if, if you're looking at medals won and talent and everything like that, Paul Scholes, obviously. And I've got to say Billy Brenner as well. Billy Brenner's one that we never would have seen as well. Another wing. G- Giles, he can talk about um, Billy Brenner, I'm sure, at some stage. But he was another ginger as well. But, uh, I think and the a, greatest a ginger player. footballers of all time to John Giles, I don't think it's an item that's going to go. It's not going to get out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but if you say, if you say, when you say to me, say, look, Kevin Coban says that Paul Scholes is better than Billy Brenner. Yeah, and then yeah. wait for then the response. Away. Then and you know. Here, we, should, we should mention that it was actually the entire thing was kicked off by a Kevin De Bruyne masterclass a few weeks ago. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. in terms of the current... Well, the, De Bruyne's right in the mix now. De Bruyne, yeah. De Bruyne is probably going easy into that top five, isn't he? Uh, yeah. if, if people, people, people always talk about, you know, you can never judge a player on... on on how good they were unless they've won trophies, which is absolute nonsense in, in my eyes, honestly. You, you, you judge a player on the talent that they've got on the pitch and what they do and that wow factor. And Kevin De Bruyne, he has that wow factor, doesn't he? Kevin De Bruyne, every single time over the last, especially over the last four years, I think he's taken his game to a whole new level. And he, I think he's getting better. Even watching him at the Euros last summer where he, he was injured prior to the Euros and then he came on in that, uh, Denmark game wasn't it he came on in the Denmark game at half time scored a brilliant goal with his left foot if Belgium are going to have any sort of chance of winning the World Cup uh, this year it's got to be down to Kevin De Bruyne he's, he's the, the main man the best midfield player in the world without a doubt in my mind and um, the best player in the Premier League over the last few years absolutely without a shadow of a doubt just an incredible player and as I said he gets better and better You've got uh, Big John Hartson. You've got Gordon. No, we've, got to, we've got to throw. We've got to throw Big John in, haven't we? We've got to throw yeah. a, a side of. I mean, are we going to throw Damien Duff into the mix? Are we going to throw Oliver Kahn into the mix? I think These Oliver Kahn makes it. Ginger. Duff or Ginger? Oliver. I, uh, Duff, Duff, blonde. Duff would say blonde. Some might strawberry say strawberry blonde. blonde. But if, if I'm throwing these like names like John Hartson into the mix, who is a bona fide ginger, and I've known a lot of gingers as well in my career as well that. Literally, you know, we're, we're afraid of showing the roots, so that you know, we can we can go but to that one another day. Some gingers, who, who no, not at all, not at all. No, there, there, but there's a few, you know, I don't know if you did that yourself, Owen. Um, whether or not, were you growing up, you were you know, you were embarrassed of your ginger hair, you decided to dye it blonde or dye it black or anything like that. Did, did you ever have that feeling? There's nothing wrong with the, being ginger. I had the feeling, yeah, I had the feeling, but managed to resist it. Did feeling. you? I thought the eyebrows would be a bit of a giveaway. Did you? Did you? Well, no. It, it, right, you know, I'll ask you an honest question. So, why were you embarrassed about being ginger? Was it just the Good stigma question. that people would just give you? Like, I'm not being funny. Like, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. Just like, the, the stick you'd get. You've got, you've got, a, you've got a good head of hair on you. What, what's the, what's the big deal? No, but exactly. it's just exactly it's like anything that makes you a point of difference from the majority of other kids in the schoolyard. You're like, Correct. I don't want to be. I don't want to stand out. I just want to blend in. Correct. Yeah, yeah, that's it exactly. Yeah, that's, yeah. Co- that's correct. But when you get to a certain age, it doesn't really matter, does it? You, you don't care, do you? Do you care? No. You does does it affect like, you? Does it affect you in your in your adult life? No, not at all. And in fact, it's kind of you're looking for points of difference once you become an adult because your life becomes yeah. uh, quite routine and boring, and uh, there is nothing to yeah. set you apart from anybody else. So, uh, yeah, I, mean, I don't know now. what your relationship status is now, Owen, but I'm sure that your relationship status has been enhanced with having ginger hair. No. Absolutely not, but I'm, I thank you for having that uh, opinion. I'm glad that uh, a male footballer a million miles away uh, has that opinion that being ginger is more attractive. 
Well, I don't know. It's it's it's, it's what's been said in the past to me. You know, I've I've known um, really. I've known, yeah. But anyway, that's there. You go. <laughs> I I, I didn't I didn't have the ginger hair to back it up. So you know, I, I've got nothing to fall back on there. Really, that's why I was trying to show my beard off. You know, to say I'm really ginger. No, Gordon Strachan. <laughs> Steve Nickel, uh, John Arnorisa, you've you've down here. I mean, he's got it. I don't no. know that he was ever sort of. I, I'd never, I'd never been putting John on a recess. I think you threw to me, threw back to me, Steve Staunton, Adrian. I'm, Stan Steve Staunton, his head, head, Stan is head and shoulders above John on I've got to put that out there right now. So if we're looking, if we're calling Stan a ginger, which he'd probably say blonde again, but Stan's ginger. Let's be honest. Um, he is right in the mix as well. Stan has to be in the mix. The brilliant player that he was, you know. Coleman, Ronald Coleman. Oh yeah, Cooman. Yeah. Well, again. One of the best European um, European Cup uh, winning goal. What, what, what year was that? Uh, 92, I think it was. 91, 92 at Wembley for Barcelona. So, yeah, great career. Brilliant. Um, yeah, top top class. So, we we're looking for five there. I mean, I can... It was with Mateus Sammer. Uh, who else is yeah. there as well? Boniak um, is one that, that came up with... Boniak, yeah. Boniak, yeah. I mean, he was brilliant, wasn't he? Polish striker, brilliant himself. Uh I'm sure again. There's going to be lots and lots of names, even when this goes out. That's going Ray to be Parler, off the back of it. Him? Uh, Ray, Ray Parler, yeah, Ray Parler. What you a player, what a man. When you're what a man. Oh, I would, what a man. I will toast a cobra bomb to Ray Parler's gingerness. <laughs> 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 and what about? And what about? I mean, like a few of the. We've got to give a few Irish players. Yes, Paul McShane. Paul McShane, like, good friend of mine. Paul, head of hair. You know, Here, I think, I think there's a separate list for the most ginger players of all time, and I think he's top of the list. Oh, Dave Kitson. Oh. Good show. Good show. Uh, and, and you know what as well? Gary Doherty. Or Gary yeah. Doherty, as they say in England. Um, Alexi Lalas, of course. They, ah, well, he was they, just poor, wasn't he? He was a poor player, so you can't be throwing Alexi Lalas into the mix. Dave Kitson is so ginger, even I would take the piss out of him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I've got a lot of respect for Dave Kitson because he qualified for Ireland and said, look, I'm not Irish. I, I, I'm not going to play for you. So I've got a lot of respect for Dave Kitson. Yeah. So do I. Mark, Mark Noble. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the, and, I mean, there's half of them there that we mentioned, Gary Darty, the, the uh, James Collins. They get, you know, this idea, the ginger Pele. How many players have you heard called the ginger Pele? And it's never, <laughs> let's face it, it's never meant as a compliment. <laughs> yeah, I'd probably say so, yeah. And, and I was saying before about, you know, the mocking, yeah, I, I, I probably would have done it in, in the past myself. People would have picked up on my, you know, um, bad looks or whatever people would end be coming for me for whatever reason they're going to come for me so I would have probably bit back at someone and said you ginger so and so in the past yeah uh, just a way to get back at somebody yeah so yeah there you go Was Sean Thornton a quiet ginger? Yeah Sean's another ginger wasn't he yeah good player died, Sean as well Died blonde but I'd say most people would, would remember that Yeah died blonde um, and then I, I was even thrown um, uh, Tomas O'Shea threw into me as well of course it's the gooch so there was loads yeah. of like Gaelic footballs going to me, but if you're if you're having if you're having if you're having the gooch, then I simply have to have Kieran McDonald. He's a ginger, surely as well, isn't he? Is he? No, ah, he's got to be. He no. surely to God, yeah. That, that said, hair's big no chance. As soon as someone starts dying the herd ten times over, no. and then you, you you've got to start asking questions, haven't you? If Kieran McDonald is ginger, that really does change the whole scope of my childhood. Like he was the the sex icon of the two thousands. I could have pointed to him instead of pointing to. Prince I mean, Harry as the, the go-to ginger person that I aspire to be. 
but this is this is, I, I I will not accept that. Yeah, uh, I will not. I think I think, I think I think I think I think Kim McDonald is a, is a secret ginger. Yeah. Okay, uh, Boris Becker, of course, but we can't uh, we're not we can't talk about him anymore. So um, yeah, there's there are that's it's a whole other conversation for a different day. The, we draw the scope open a little bit more. I'm not I sure know, we're five, Kev. But, I know I've probably bored you on it now as well. I've no, bored no. you on it, yeah. But, but I, there... say, I, I I did put the tweet out to say, yeah, I've been chatting to a friend about the best ginger footballers of all time, and it was you, Agent. So I have to say yes, that yes. I was chatting to you that day about who these uh, top five gingers are, and I said it should be a segment in the show. You and Owen yeah. Friday morning. Oh. A ginger sports star, male, female, whoever. Well, to bring the conversation full circle, I can't wait for the review of today's show. It'll be coming through tomorrow afternoon. You'll be like, that football segment, oh, I dragged the arse out of it. It's supposed to be half an yeah. hour. Ended up with 45 minutes. Um, yeah, you've got me on for 50 minutes. 50 minutes now. Yeah, 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 yeah. Good slap up. Yeah. Yeah, you have to put break this up into two parts of the show, I think. <laughs> yeah, two weeks, three weeks. Listen, uh, thanks a million for jumping on. Don't leave it too long the next time. No, no, thanks a lot. Thanks, guys. And thanks for everybody as well. Hope you're all well. OTB AM. All right, that was something we made uh, a little bit earlier. Uh, Kevin Caban uh, covering on, I mean, there probably weren't too many other bases we could have touched on there on in that 30-minute chat. No, we got a lot done. Got a lot done. Got through a lot. Yeah. Like, the issues aired, players chosen, all sorts going on there. Yeah, felt, felt, uh, Kevin would be a good psychologist, actually. He's picking away at the ginger psyche. He's so, you see, he's so nice, you kind of get you lure, get lured into being just too giving. Yeah, yeah, we, we really did, kind of watching that back there, thinking, why did I give up so much of my soul? <laughs> Flying Hellfish uh, said, has uh, um, been in contact with the Irish rugby team are tipped to take uh, one of the three tests against New Zealand this summer. I think they can handle a French club team on a Saturday. Series come from there. Yeah, hundred percent. Like they're, I like it. They're on paper, heavy favourites, twelve point favourites, and that is that speaks to the, the strength that they have. I don't think there's any team really in the competition this season who could be up against Leinster in this final, and you wouldn't favour mm-hmm. Leinster. And um, as as I said earlier on, there's a chance that five o'clock Saturday uh, we might actually be looking for one of the games that could be a contest. Uh, Yazin says Liverpool should win Real lost to Sheriff uh, Tiraspol at home if Liverpool win it'll be greater season achievement than City's very lucky league title says Dahi I don't think he can really win a lucky Premier League it's just too long Dara saying um, who's the be- who is the best Lord Kev Lord of the Rings uh, the dance or the flies it's a conversation for another week yeah, uh, what's the what's the name of the the um, the novelty uh, Great British election candidate Lord? What's his name? Oh yeah, we'll have to we'll have to get googling at that one. While you're doing that, Tender Chicken says surely the best ginger footballer is Pat Spillane. Just a bit of a left field. See, people, you only know Pat Spillane as being grey, although you probably have you had posters of him up around when you were I a kid. I thought he's more bland. Lord Buckethead, by the way, is <laughs> who I was thinking of. John says, turns out Bruce Springsteen tickets are more expensive than Adrian Barry's cheese boards. It's true. No, actually, it's not. You haven't seen Adrian's cheese board for this weekend. Charcoal cheddar is what he's going for. Charcoal cheddar. I don't think it's charcoal cheddar. Is more expensive than a, a Bruce ticket. Would it be charcoal cheddar? Charcoal cheese. I don't know my cheeses. Come on, what is it? So uh, I don't know. I don't know. It just came through as charcoal cheese. I need to look in and exactly see what sort of variety it is. Variety it is. Uh, Ninety-six euro, two hundred and fifty-six euro. Uh, says Joe for standard tickets. That is saucy. Yeah, cheese board of Bruce. Who are you going for? You got 130 euro to spend. Are you spending it on wine and cheese, or are you spending it on Bruce Springsteen? I'd, I'd get a lovely cheese board and a nice bottle of something to park myself outside the RDS and uh, sit there and just consume everything. That is your home. That is your spiritual home, the RDS, of course. 
Um, right, uh, Leinster La Rochelle obviously tomorrow and uh, we've been sort of uh, debating exactly as to what we're going to do in terms of covering this one and we've landed on the idea that I'm going to choose um, a Leinster 15 based off players that, at least this is my understanding of what we're choosing here, based off players that have started in any of the five finals and we're including a probable team for tomorrow uh, and the stipulation... Uh, as Joe Conroy threw down the mantle saying that we have to pick players who are at the peak of their powers for a one-off must-win match. Okay. Is that fair enough? Good idea. So what we'll do is we'll go through the pack first, we'll give the uh, runners and riders and then I'll give my selection and then we can pick through any points of contention as you see it. Adrian Barry's all-time Leinster 15. Let's go. We'll start with the loose head uh, props and the options here are Keen Healy who started the first four and Andrew Porter who'll uh, probably start tomorrow so that's the options there at Hooker it's uh, Jackman 09 Richard Strauss for the following two Sean Cronin 18 our Rowan Callagher tomorrow uh, the tight head position is between Stan Wright Mike Ross and Tig. Ooh, gets really competitive in the second row where you have at number four Leo for the first three uh, Big Dev in 18 or Ross Maloney um, for tomorrow where at five you have Big Mal in 09, Nathan Hines in 11, Brad Thorne in 2012, and then James Ryan in 18 and 22. That is a particularly competitive position. Um, blindside flanker, we have uh, Rocky in 09, Kevin McLaughlin in 11 and 12, Scott Fardy in 18, and then Caelan Doris. Uh, open side, Shane Jennings in 09, you have Sean O'Brien in 11 and 12, you have Dan Levy in 18, and then Josh van der Flyer. I mean, Ah, but there is like I mean, there's a pretty obvious. Uh, well, we'll come to it in a sec. Where one, you, you, you can shift people. You can, from six you to can shift here. people on. Okay. That is true. To continue the theme of the morning, you can absolutely shift people. Uh, and then at number eight, you have Jamie Heaslip in nine, eleven, and twelve. Jordy Murphy in eighteen, and then Jack Coleman. Okay, take us through who you've gone for here. So my selections are the uh, pack is going to be Keen Healy at loose head prop. Okay, that's back. Fairly straightforward. Bank. World class lion locks on the scrum, good in the loose. Probably suffered a little bit after that hand injury in terms of his op- open play, and obviously is aging now and has taken a bit of a backseat. But I think that's a, that's a banker. Uh, Hooker was really tough, and it sort of came down to two. And I'm going to go with the guy who's going to start tomorrow, um, Ronan Keller. I think, yeah, like tough, a tough call. The others all have. Uh, different attributes that they bring to the party but he probably has a little bit of everything more um, Sean Cronin a slander coming your way from Adrian no, no, Barry no, no, on a Friday no, no, morning no, no, it's okay no, no. scrummaging uh, Jackman scrummaging the defence of Strauss the running of Cronin uh, he's probably the best all-rounder he's only 24 Yeah. so no, like look at, I know we're not picking a team for the future but you have to say that um, who's your sub? Is, is Dan Sheehan potentially Sheehan? your sub? <laughs> possibly. possibly Strauss pr- probably if you're pushing slander. me for a one-off big game so I'd probably go with Strauss. Um, hey, interesting. That's that's Hoker. Right, okay. Uh, Lee Kelleher, who else? And then completing the front row oh, is going to be tight. Okay, yeah. We don't, there, we don't really need to spend too there much was time no, on that. There was no great debate about that. Okay. Like, Stan Wright is obviously a cult hero. Mike Ross has won two Heineken Cups. Uh, start, started two Heineken Cups. Uh, but it's got to be tight. It's no great So it's the that. Healy Kelleher furlong. It's a, a recency that uh, kind of tints that front row not to say that it's not the, the best front row well, though yeah, if, you, if you make that you won't be making that comment at the end okay I'll, I'll, let's uh, go I'll put it that, that way to you second row right so you had uh, Leo Cullen obviously with the uh, first three Heineken Cups and then Devon and Ross Maloney and I'm sort of roughly sti- I know we can be fluid but I'm roughly sticking my position and I gotta go with Leo 
I think you're talking about like a big game, the personality of the guy, the leadership, uh, not to mention the qualities that he had around the pitch. I just think if you're talking about wanting to win a big game, he's a big game player and he's got to be in there. Interesting. That's that's a hair's breadth between himself and Toner, surely. I think... Yeah, look, when you talk about peak of their powers, <clears throat> Devon probably uh, would run that close. Leo probably had more longevity in the in the, in the front line. Um, but no, I've got to be going for Leo there. And then on the other side, this was the Big Mal versus Hines versus Thorne versus James Ryan. And I've gone for Brad Thorne. I think that... But you not just do Brad Thorne and James Ryan and be done with it. <laughs> you could, you could, you could. That's what Coach Shane is going for. Coach Barry is going for Leo. Because look, the, the leadership thing is, I, I'm, I wouldn't underplay that. And look, at when you when you... Look at the team I've selected to play this imaginary game. Yeah. There's leadership all over the place. Um, but, you know, the personality, the grunt, he's been there and done it. There's no big game nerves. He changed it. He, he helped himself and Shane Jennings coming back from Le- uh, Leicester, amongst other factors, was such a big thing in changing the personality of that Leicester team. And it's not a, like, nostalgia pick or or whatever else. I think you got to go for Leo. Okay, so Leo and Brad Thorne is your Brad summer. Thorne, one of the greatest locks of all time. Paul O'Connell type figure. Huge influence on that squad. They all talk about it, including Devon, about the impact that they had on him uh, and a big game player. Like, considered one of the greatest locks of all time. He is the, lo- the lock at lock. He's the one that you got to start. I like that line. That's our headline. Uh, back row, um, Rocky versus Kevin McLaughlin versus Scott Vardy versus Kellen Doris. And I've gone for Rocky. Okay. Gone for Rocky at uh, blindside flanker here. Um, d- partly based on uh, the stats. Like, look, at he was a one-season wonder, which was not to say that he fell off a cliff either side, but at Leinster, he was in for one season. He played 21 games. How many Man of the Match awards did he win in 21 games? Oh, like, probably 12, 15. 14. Like, also, including in the that famous quarterfinal against Harlequins was man of the match and in the final as well and this Big, was before Alan Quinlan was picking man of the match in these uh, these games as well so there, there was no back row bias before before Alan Quinlan was picking man of the match and actually looking back at some of the highlights of the uh, of the semi-final against Munster there was a few little sort of uh, over and back uh, between himself and Quinny so much so that we've asked Quinny to do up um, his thoughts on uh, Rocky Elsom which I don't know is it standing by but we might come to it in a couple of moments um, Quinny's thoughts on, on the selection Rocky Elsom there but yeah like, like a bit of an enigma off the pitch all of his teammates would be would talk about his um, how much of an enigma he was off the pitch like you'd ha- you would actually rarely see him at training and when he was there he wouldn't be doing very much and they wouldn't be mingled much off the pitch uh, never came back for the 10 year anniversary of the game when everybody else was there and you also have to remind yourself he was 26 when he was in Dublin thought he was a lot older isn't he exactly yeah. you look at those pictures thinking maybe the guy was about 45 and, and in that Munster game like he was up against Quinlan Wallace Leamy like you know so I, I think I think Rocky Elsom is uh, I think is I think cult status actually kind of underplays uh, how beloved he is in yeah. the, the Leinster fraternity so so Elsom's your six Elsom is the six and then you have Shane Jennings you have Sean O'Brien Levy and Josh van der Fleer for uh, open side and I've gone for Sean O'Brien like you could try and shift things around here to make room for Josh van der Fleer, but um, it's, it's it's essentially what you're looking at in this back row is Rocky Elson versus van der Fleer as opposed to O'Brien. You could have shifted, and look with most of these, the same with John O'Brien. If you wanted to make room, you could shift him around a little bit. He's obviously played in all the positions, and there'd be no problem with doing that. But 
when you talk about the lock at lock, I think he's a lock in the back row as well. I think you have to make room for him. The abrasiveness, like a brilliant win- uh, runner in the loose, selfless player would often sacrifice himself uh, for for uh, the cause of the team. Just a quality operator in all facets. Also had that edge about him, hadn't he? Like a real bit of a, you know, if you talk about a little bit of a nastiness that you need in, in a big game, um, then he definitely had that uh, serious ability to sort of take a tackle and keep going. So, um, a man of the match in the final in 2012. And uh, also, like, look, at it wasn't really about this, but certainly helped change the perception of Leinster as being a D4 team you know like was one of those that was very much at the forefront of that so um, I'm not arguing I'm not a great debate that, about that um, you're number 8 Jamie Heaslip it really has to be again there was no huge who's, who's second who was your second choice out of interest here Conan Conan it has to be yeah 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 Jordy Murphy started in 18 uh, but never really went on to uh, fulfill the potential that I think everybody thought he would have had um, but yeah like I mean look at you're right I could have shift, shifted a couple of players around there to make room uh, I could have left uh, Elsa out might have been the easy decision to make but um, I just think for everything that he brought to Leinster that season we're talking about a one-off game where you're putting your best team out and you want to go and win it and like look at some of this is about you know Josh van der Fleer might make an absolute mockery of the selection in a few years time you actually forget that he's 29 um, and he's been around the season uh, been around the scene a little bit has only really started to make the impact that he's having now in the last uh, year or two um, you know there had been a lot of question marks about his bulk and ability against the bigger packs to to operate, but yeah, that's what I'm going with. O'Brien, Heaslip, and Rocky Elsom across the back row. Yeah, it's good. It's good back row. I think you could. De- it's definitely not set in stone. I think there's definitely an argument to be made, but it's a it's a strong back row and so a good that, bench. Uh, absolutely outstanding bench. So. Halfbacks, obviously, it's going to be Sexton at ten. Who's who's your scrum half going to be? That, there isn't even a competition at ten, as in there's nobody else to choose from. Like from across the five finals, uh, he comes in for Cantopomi in the that monster famously semi final in 09 and never looks back. So no debate. Uh, the options at nine are Chris Whittaker, who started in 09, uh, Owen Redden, who started in eleven and twelve, and then uh, Luke McGrath in eighteen, and Gibson Park, obviously, who'll uh, who'll start tomorrow. So I have gone for. This was a hard one. I've gone for Owen Redden. This was a hard one. Like, again, Gibson Park has really... There's a lot of Van der Fleer um, comparisons there in the sense that he's really come into it. He's changed his game a little bit in the last while uh, and, again, could make a mockery this in a few years' time. But right now, you know, going for a big game, uh, Gibson Park would not be far behind. Whittaker wouldn't be far behind. But Redden, like, you know, everything you want in a in a scrum half in terms of that you know excellent delivery fast delivery uh, the main things that you need never had the physicality maybe of a player like uh, Whitaker, who was the perfect um, fit for that time um, but yeah Owen Redden is who I'm going for there so an all-Munster half-back pairing at Leinster Redden and Sexton who are you going for in midfield an all-what? an all-Munster half-back Lim- Limerick and Kerry represented at 9 and 10 uh, will we go to. Will I, will I give you the options across the uh, the rest of the backs. Do it. Yeah. So uh, fifteen, uh, Isa in oh nine and eleven. Rob Carney in twelve and eighteen, and then Hugo Keenan. You Shane Horgan um, at uh, four, on the right wing uh, for nine and eleven. Fergus McFadden, Jordan Larmer, and Jimmy O'Brien. The other options there. Brian O'Driscoll. 
9, 11, 12, and uh, Gary Ringrose, 18 and 22. Gordon Darcy at inside centre, 9, 11, 12, and then Robbie Henshaw subsequently. And then you'd Luke Fitzgerald in 9 and 11 on the left wing, and he's at 12 and 18, uh, having started the other games at full back, and then uh, James Lowe. Okay, so 13 is locked in. That's Brian O'Driscoll. Yes, nothing, nothing to be said about him. Um, <clears throat> yeah. Who's your 12? <laughs> uh, who is my 12? Well, there are a couple of players who are going to be uh, very, very unfortunate to be left out of this. I would include Josh van der Fleer as one of those. I would obviously, <laughs> it broke my heart in, uh, I was up until four o'clock this morning on um, crying tears over having to leave Big Mal out of the team. The third player that I would consider to be exceptionally unfortunate not to make this team is Robbie Henshaw. I like the way you're, you're just going to put aside some time to talk up Robbie Henshaw now because you've ruthlessly left him out of your team. The fact is you don't think Robbie Henshaw is good enough to get into your all-time Leinster team. No, so that's, that's, who is good enough to get in there? There is a cigarette paper between them and I've gone for Gordon Darcy at inside okay. centre. It's it was, it, Cohesion between himself and O'Driscoll, I guess. Well, there is a bit of that. I think that in the grand scheme of history... Says that you know Brian O'Driscoll was an absolute star, and oh, yeah, he played alongside this other guy. But for anybody who was watching rugby over those years, like Gordon Darcy was such an important player for Leinster, such an important player for making Brian O'Driscoll the player he was, and just never really got the praise that he should have got because of the guy that he was playing alongside. Um, but look, there was nothing between them. It was an impossible call. I had selected Henshaw at one point, and then I revised my pick. Could have gone either way. Um, Darcy. Um, uh, both of them actually have brilliant subtlety to their play serious pace when it's required um, but I do think that it's a marker of how high that I regard Darcy that I've selected him above Henshaw who I think at the minute is one of the first names I'm I'm, I'm constantly having to find myself not tweeting about Robbie Henshaw because everything I just find myself wanting all the time to talk about how amazing he is he's an incredible player he's done really well to talk a lot about Robbie Henshaw here in a slot where you've awarded the jersey to Gordon Darcy if, so if, congratulations to Gordon if Darcy if I was crafting this team. It, it's, there's such uh, fine margins between them it's possible if I was writing this team it's uh, 36 hours time I'd be including Robbie Henshaw it's okay if you don't think he's the number one choice number 12 in the history of Leinster that's That's totally fine it is literally what you said so Darcy is your number one choice 12 nothing between Driscoll you're 13 so do you want to go with the wingers here first yeah we go right wing Uh, it has to be Shane Horgan really Um, again what a player like very much of his time Um, for some reason uh, Northampton 11 kicked endlessly to him thinking that he might be a bit of a weak spot they hadn't been doing too much homework he could play it any which way you want uh, a legend of Irish rugby um, who else do you go for like maybe Jimmy O'Brien in a few years time but it was another one of those that didn't really cause a huge amount of uh, scratching of the head so Horgan at 14 and on the left wing this is where I did a little bit of jiggery pokery and I've you could not have a Leinster starting 15 from the five finals, including tomorrow. That doesn't include Eason Asewe. He's well, got to be say, on yeah. the team. You know, like, look, Luke Fitzgerald is another one for that uh, replacements bench. It's full of, is it full of bags? No, it's not. We've got a good even split so far. Um, very hard to leave out. Class player, like, renowned. You know, when you think about him, you think about the pace. But, like, geez, what a defensive player he was as well. Um, but Isa, you just couldn't leave him out. He would cut through the tiniest of gaps. <clears throat> Brilliant under a high ball. Uh, any player that you've ever heard that played with him that talked about, uh, about him was always talking about like what a skillful player he was. Um, intelligent player. Kicking penalties in the 18 final. Like, had a bit of everything. The beauty, actually, watching back some of his penalties yesterday, he had this real lovely talent to just drop, just give the ball just enough. 
Never mm. needed to be sort of kicked into a rose edge. Just enough lovely little style, nice little sort of pitch and wedge style about him. Um, and like I think we sometimes like forget that he won it for Leinster in 2018 as well. Yes, like yeah. I think sometimes we, yeah, I, I don't know. We, I, I think that we come sometimes just forget the the real contribution he had in the the critical moments for Leinster. Uh, and it's not sort of a token pick to put him in there because of the fact that again he kind of comes into that category when you think of him immediately like Elsom as this cult hero in, in Leinster but he's just so much more than that um, how close did James Lowe come to making this? Not he didn't even figure by the sounds of things like uh, Luke Fitzgerald would have been ahead of him in the mix for sure he, I didn't overly consider him that's fair well it seems it seems ridiculously harsh but <clears throat> I had to make room for Isa like maybe I could have put Lowe on the other wing and leave out Shane Horgan but again that would have been recency okay. bias we have one more position full back it's a head to head between Keenan and Carney here right or um, yeah because I've moved Ease onto the wing uh, and I've gone for Rob Carney like what a trio again not much between them <clears throat> if anybody was to select any of the three of those players at 15 there's no argument to be made uh, there are comparisons if I pick Rob Carney comparisons with the other two very good in the air probably doesn't have the pace of the others but like a real big game player um, you know 2012 probably the best full back in Europe at that time um, and again you know there would be a will to put Hugo Keenan in there but I do think again there'd be a bit of a recency bias there and I've tried to remove myself from that as much as I possibly could but for that reason on yeah, I'm going a, for Rob Carney it's a good, good team just to re- recap it it is Carney Horgan Nasewa Bod. Darcy, Sexton, Redden, and then the pack is Healy, Kelleher, Furlong, Leo Cullen, Brad Thorne, Rocky Elson, Sean O'Brien, Jamie Heaslip. Think you did well there? It's pretty good. And it's the subs bench is off the chart. Yeah, it is. Good depth. Uh, we'll be very interested here. I'm sure people out there have opinions as to people that have included or haven't and uh, do lash them into us. Whatever it is that, uh, whatever your thoughts on it, do fire them in ahead of the game tomorrow. Obviously, it's a quarter to nine. OTBAM brought to you live each morning by Gillette Labs for an effortless finish to your day. Uh, and a reminder as well of our competition uh, this morning. Indeed, all this week we're calling all cycling enthusiasts. Skoda are the official main partner of the Tour de France. And to celebrate here on OTB Sports, we have a once in a lifetime giveaway. The amazing prize is a VIP trip to stage 13 of the Tour de France. It's July 14th to 16th and you need to be available to travel in those dates it'll also include flights and accommodation for one winner plus uh, a travelling partner all you have to do uh, to be in the hat and to win today's prize just name this Irish cyclist who enjoyed 17 years as a pro uh, 24 grand tours his dad was also a cyclist and he reached the business end of Dancing with the Stars who is it? You will still see people taking risks to get a shot on TV in some crazy costume just tweet your answer to us in here at Off The Ball or on the OTBM Twitter account. Each daily winner is going to win a 100 euro one for all voucher in a Skoda cycling jersey <clears throat> and they're going to the draw for the grand prize as well. So best of luck on that. And Skoda drivers, by the way, uh, for another chance to win, you can just check out skodaservice.ie. We will give you a reminder of that a little bit later in the show as well and we'll be picking today's winner as well as the overall grand prize winner. So that is a reminder of our competition and as I said, all the thanks uh, this morning to Skoda. So do get your comments coming into us whether it is about the rugby or you want to enter the competition or indeed if you've thought about the Champions final, uh, Champions League final this weekend because that's where we're headed. It's uh, gone a quarter to nine and Gareth Roberts of the Anfield Rap. Good morning to you. Good morning, you okay? How are the nerves? Yeah, starting to build up now. Starting to feel a little bit nervous walking into work there to see all the flags in town and everything and it feels very close now. 
The, I was interested to see after the game last weekend that Jurgen Klopp was talking very quickly as you would expect that uh, you know once that was over it's over and we park that and we move on and there's you know nobody uh, thinking or talking about it too much but the physical exertions of trying to get back against Wolves Gareth and the emotional roller coaster almost of the way that uh, last 30-40 minutes played out which mostly the players would have been aware of I suppose if they come up short this weekend that mad running including last weekend will be cited yeah, I mean, they've played midweek weekend every every match weekend since the middle of February. So actually, um, getting a few days this week will be massive for them. So I think they'll feel like they're recharged for that reason for me. Because um, as I say, the schedule has been unbelievable. We played, we obviously will play every possible game that you can play in a football season, sixty three games. But I think they've been careful with the minutes. I think they've managed it. And I think the performance against Wolves, I think you can just sort of discount it. Because as you say, they knew what was going on. They could hear the fans cheering. The football wasn't great. The heads were obviously all over the show in that game. But I think in Paris, they've had time to concentrate. They've had time to focus. They've had time to train. And they've had time to relax. So I think we'll see the benefits of that on Saturday. Did you think they looked leggy against Wolves? A little bit leggy, but also a little bit distracted. I mean, you know, they couldn't, they didn't keep the ball as well as they normally do. There was passes going astray. I think they were they were visibly um, affected by by us cheering Aston Villa goals in the stands, and there was even a a, a ghost goal, if you like, that went round the stadium as well. And mm-hmm. you know, you, you could see when Mo Salah scored that he thought that was his big moment that he'd won Liverpool the league. So. You know, the messaging wasn't quite right down to the pitch. Uh, Wolves obviously played with absolutely no pressure whatsoever and played quite well, to be fair to them. But yeah, Liverpool on that day didn't play well. But you look at how Liverpool have played in, in cup finals, in big games down the years in general, uh, I'd expect them to be on the money tomorrow night. What are you thinking in terms of team selection, Gareth? What are the big questions and what are the answers to those questions going to be? I think um, I think the big questions probably start at centre half. I mean, Virgil Van Dijk was obviously rested uh, for the league game in readiness for this one. Obviously, you want him playing because he's so key to how Liverpool play. I think it, who lines up next to him is a little bit of a question because you know Karate's done well this season, um, and you know Southampton game as a, as an example, he played very very well and he actually he, he did a passable impression of Virgil Van Dijk himself. Hmm. Um, he wasn't so clever. I didn't think um, the weekend's just gone and I'd expect Matip to come in to be honest with you out of those two just for this experience um, he's been brilliant he's a cool head um, so I think he starts I think the full backs pick themselves in midfield there's a massive question mark because we're waiting on we're waiting to hear on the fitness of Thiago um, the news seemed to be relatively positive that he was in the gym that it, you know the injury wasn't as bad as the first fear at the weekend so we'll wait and see on that Fabinho we've seen him training so you'd expect him to start and that's brilliant um, so yeah we'll have to see on Thiago and then up front I mean again there's a sort of there's a wealth of choices there's five mm. five good strikers there or five good forwards into three places but I think, you know, in a Champions League final, I don't think you really mess about with it too much. I think you start Mo Salah, Sadio Mane and Luis Diaz because he's been the man in form. Does the five subs thing, I guess, lessen your fears about taking a risk on Thiago? Yeah, I think so. Um, and, and I think what Liverpool may do, obviously they'll, they'll run all kinds of tests on him. They'll be monitoring him all week. 
he may it may be that they just decide to use him for half an hour um what you know second half or something like that um and try and keep it tight up to that point um so we we'll see he might he might not be fit enough to play the 90 or or it could of course go to extra time it could of course go to penalties so we'll see on that one uh, obviously if both him and, and Fabinho are being out the midfield that Liverpool would be putting out would be a little bit concerning but I think having Fabinho back is absolutely huge because I don't think anyone at the club quite does the role as well as he does I think Henderson can job there but it's nowhere near as good because for me um, Fabinho is one of the best in the world in his position so to have him there hopefully fit, fired and ready to go is massive for Liverpool um, and then you know I would expect Henderson to be there um, and then I would probably say the other one is likely Keiter if it's not if it's not Thiago and then if it's Thiago and Fabinho out is it Keiter Henderson and Milner Probably, um, you could maybe make a case for for Curtis Jones, but you know, it feels big that to ask that of him in a Champions League final. He's not played that much football this season. Um, I still think he's a good player. A lot of people seem to to not really rate him. I think that's unfair. But yeah, you would probably go with the experience of Milner. But when you look at that mid- midfield you just talked about there, you would say, well, it looks like it lacks creativity a little bit. So fingers crossed that that isn't the midfielder. I think I think we definitely will see Fabinho. I think yeah. I think that's that's nailed on. Um, and then Keita for me has done all right uh, in in recent times. He's another one that splits opinion a little bit. But you know he can get the ball moving. He can play between the lines. He's creative. And when he's on it, he's a force to be reckoned with. To be fair to him, how much if Thiago is out and like you say, Gareth, like who knows? Is a half an hour in him? Is that the last half hour of the game? If he if he is out, what, how much does that shift your confidence about the outcome? I'd still be confident because you you know we've obviously played without him before. We've won we've won a cup this season without him. He obviously was injured in the warm up for the league cup, um, and ultimately, virtually every game I've watched Liverpool play of the sixty two this season, I've uh, seen all of them, and Liverpool create chances no matter who starts in midfield. Obviously, there's a big chat about the midfield. It's what everyone's focusing on because there's a bit of jeopardy around it. But you can't tell me that Liverpool aren't going to create a chance in 90 minutes if the midfield's a little bit different. They will do. They will do against this Real Madrid defence as well. We saw Man City score four against them in one match. Chelsea score three against them in one match. And both of those sides probably feel like they should have knocked Real Madrid out, um, given the chances that they had in those games. So I, I don't see Real Madrid suddenly becoming this tight defensive unit that, that's able to stop our front three, no matter who the midfield is. Because obviously Liverpool can hit you very fast on the break. Diaz can ca- carry the ball as good as anyone. And then, you know, Mo Salah, well, we know what he's got in his locker and we know that he really wants to perform against this particular opposition. Does has last year's fixture between these teams come into your thinking at all this week? Like I know last year was such an anomaly for Liverpool, and when you look at that Liverpool team that played against Real Madrid in the first leg last year, and they were they were beaten, it was Phillips and Kabak at centre half. So you can't really ever judge that era of Liverpool. But Fabinho and Keita were in midfield. I know when Alden was the was was in there as well, and I guess there is this this sense that um, the the opposition uh, that they were up against is going to be the midfield that's going to start for Real Madrid or have a very good chance of starting for Real Madrid this weekend in Modric, Crows and, and Casemiro. So do you take any of the lessons around that midfield battle from last season and bring them into to this weekend? 
Absolutely, yeah. I think I think it serves as a warning, doesn't it, that you know you can get a little bit complacent about all this. Some of the talk around Madrid, I think, is over the top in terms of you know lots of focus on on their age, lots of focus on there's been a bit of a, a bit of, a bit of luck involved in their run to reach this stage this season. But you know they're still Madrid, aren't they? I think they've won the last seven finals when they've reached the European Cup final. They've obviously won the competition thirteen times. There's something about them in this competition, um, and, and obviously back themselves as well which is why they're wandering around the pitch with a, a, a t-shirt with 14 on uh, straight after they qualify for this final so they won't be short of confidence not, they're not short of talent but of course you know they've got to be sort of allowed to play to an extent and it, it's my thinking on it that you know I, I think when Liverpool played Chelsea in the FA Cup Obviously, it went all the way and it ended up going to penalties. And you're getting daft people on the internet with banter analysis saying, "Ah, oh, you'd only beat them on penalties." Um, but but Liverpool Liverpool blew Chelsea away in the first ten minutes. They should have got the game won then. And I've seen Liverpool do that a few times. They obviously did it against Man City in the in the semi final as well of the same competition. And I think it feels like it's a tactic at times almost to scare the opposition, get in the faces, score an early goal, set the tone. And I think Liverpool might try and do that in this in this game as well, and make a lot of the of this chat redundant. Hopefully, that's that's where I'd like it to go. Like I said to you before, I can't see Liverpool not getting chances. So it's a case of taking those chances, and they've been pretty good at that. Obviously, ninety four goals in the league this season, as well as the ninety two points. You have got you know three players who are in in the twenties and thirties in terms of goal scoring. Uh, you know Salah thirty one, Mane twenty three, and Jota twenty one this season. But also there's there's 20 players, 20 different players at Liverpool who've been on the score sheet this season. So there's goals all over the pitch. We've been good at set pieces as well. Um, we can talk all we want about the threat of Madrid and, and how they will trouble Liverpool. But I, I would go for the Bob Paisley maxim of let them worry about us. Yeah, and uh, they can, uh, given the quality on the bench as well, they can uh, throw the kitchen sink at it if needs be uh, down yeah. the stretch. I wasn't going to ask you about to compare the trebles, Gareth, right? But then I read David James saying that the 99 treble, and if this one comes off, that they both deserve to be on the same pedestal, which had me thinking, is there is that a really a talking point? What's your view of it? I mean, you want to win the league, don't you, obviously? So um, if you're comparing a treble that's included the league, then a treble that doesn't include the league isn't as good, uh, as far as I'm yeah. concerned. Um, but equally, at any treble is brilliant. Let's, yeah. be, let, you know, let's not be daft about this. I mean, you know, we, we won one in 2001, and it's still one of my fondest memories of being a Liverpool fan, and that was the UEFA Cup, the FA Cup, and the League Cup. Now, you know, Man United fans described that at the time as a Mickey Mouse treble, I had a fantastic time. I went to most of the games that season. I went to all of the finals and it was an absolutely superb season to be a Red. So there was no Mickey Mouse talk in my household. Yeah, there's always going to be a bit of needle no matter what's going on in that uh, in that variety. Um, <clears throat> the Sadio Mane stuff, obviously, and there's more developments now in the last 24 hours, but uh, his quote here, if people haven't caught it yet this morning, I'm fully focused on Saturday's game. That's the answer I must give before the final, but come back to me on Saturday and I will give you the best answer you want to hear for sure. It's special. I will give you all you want to hear then. That, to me, looks like he's about to sign on the dotted line. 
Sounds that way, doesn't it? And and fantastic if so, because I, I'm, I'm a big fan of Sadio. I think he's central to what Liverpool do. He's been brilliant second half of the season for Liverpool. I mean, if you think that, you know, he obviously went to AFCON. Uh, he was in a World Cup qualifier not long after that. He's been around the world twice, basically, this season, uh, if not more. And yet, you know, second half of the season, I think he's got 13 goals since he came back from AFCON. And he's been, he's been essentially Liverpool's best forward, uh, Liverpool's best player. So if he's talking about signing, it's, it's fantastic news. There's been this, obviously, jeopardy around the three contracts of the front three or the established front three for a while now. Uh, Fabinho, Sadio and Mo Salah are all, all expiring in terms of contracts at the same time. Um, Klopp already threw something out there which no one seemed that bothered about, which was Firmino's going nowhere, and it didn't make any headlines whatsoever mm. for some reason. Uh, I still rate Firmino, by the way. I still think he can play a part. Um, but yeah, Sadio signing up, absolutely brilliant. I mean, he's you know he's he's thirty, but he's still got loads in the tank, as you can see. And you know, people are talking about him being a contender for the Ballon d'Or and things like that. Uh, why wouldn't you sign him up? I think it's interesting as well in terms of how these things play out in that. Someone somewhere was leaking something about him him being interested in Bayern Munich um, and Bayern Munich being interested in him. Now, joining the dots, is that coming from his agents? If so, well, you know, Sadio is not on the same hymn sheet here, is he? And he's just come out, as you say, and said something there, which very much sounds like he's staying at Liverpool. And if he is staying at Liverpool, fantastic news for Liverpool fans. Martin Samuel was writing in the Daily Mail this morning, Gareth, that um, this could be sort of the last dance for this Liverpool group and that, you know, they'll, we've just been talking about contracts and who knows what happens. It looks like most of the main players are going to stay. But that, that they're moving into a position where um, it could become a fragmented team, that they'll never be the same again. It actually feels like, to me, looking at it, almost the exact opposite. Klopp has signed up. Mane will probably sign up. Like that this group, the, the Luis Diaz, we're talking about starting the Champions League final, not on the radar for Liverpool uh, only a few months back so it almost feels like they've been quietly building something that is going to be sustainable over the next four or five years almost yeah absolutely that I agree with you rather than rather than Martin there in that you know obviously already as you say Diaz has come in hit the ground running only going to get better um, Jota also has come in um, you know challenged the established front three you know got, got into double figures himself this season as I said before um, you've got Harvey Elliott who, who at the start of the season was first choice then he's he, he's gone out of the picture but he's round and about he's ready to go he's clearly a talent so for me you know Klopp's already building the next version of Liverpool at the same time as fielding this one um, so I wouldn't be concerned about it being the end of something it feels to me like it's very much the start. I mean, all this debate that there's been all week around, would it be a disappointment if Liverpool didn't win this final and all this kind of stuff? My my sort of maxim on this has always been, and I've said it for years on the Anfield Rap, and before that I always wrote it in the fanzine that I did. If you're at this stage of the season and you, you're challenging, you're, at the, you're near the top of the league, you're in cup finals, and, and you're regularly doing that, you can't ask for much more than that. Sometimes a, a cup final can be flip of a coin. Sometimes it can obviously be a penalty shootout. Liverpool have benefited twice from that this season already. Things can go to the wire. The, the league can be mad. We lost the league by one point. You know, there's no disappointment for me because the club are doing what I always wanted them to do, which is challenge for honours on the regular. And Liverpool aren't going away. Like, there will be players signed in the summer and players will want to come and play for Jurgen Klopp because he's now on a longer contract as well. So I don't really see why seeds are being sown of of something going wrong or something changing. You know, Liverpool are 100% here to stay. 
Gareth, enjoy the game. Thanks, million. Cheers, boys. Gareth Roberts from the Gamfield Rap, looking ahead to the Champions League final this weekend. Alan uh, says, uh, start Diaz on the bench. Jota and Firmino don't usually have much impact coming on. Which is fair enough. He could go for any combination of, uh, of well, it'd be either Jota or Diaz, I suppose. Uh, Andrew says, happy Friday, lads. You're helping through the hangover. Working from home today, thankfully. Enjoy the weekend of sport. Brave move to head into this weekend with a hangover. <laughs> I'll take the edge off you for the weekend. No, that's it. So you can focus on the sport now. Uh, Tom says, can't argue with the selection. This is about the Leinster 15. On the field, Rocky was the best I've ever seen. Uh, as we know, off the field was a different story. And Lorcan says that uh, I approve of the 1-8 to eight selection. So um, that's it. Any more comments on that uh, Leinster 15? Fire the Mintos. We're going to do our GA quick picks very shortly. But before all that, we mentioned uh, Rocky Elsom and the enigma that he was and the impact that he, ha- uh, he was. We also wanted to get the thoughts of somebody who played against him in the last stages of the uh, Heineken Cup as Alan Quinlan did I think back to 2009 obviously um, not with fond memories of that that Heineken Cup semi-final against Leinster and Croke Park but just the impact that that Rocky Elsom had that whole season with Leinster um, strange kind of a character I mean that respectfully it wasn't that open or kind of chatty with other people um, from the opposition or and I've heard that from probably some of the Leinster players as well he just kind of bounced in bounced out but uh, of training and matches and but had an incredible impact um, what an athlete he was um, so quick so powerful and um, so many many men of the match awards that year for Leinster he just had an incredible impact and seemed to be someone who kind of galvanised the crowd and became a kind of a cult hero for Leinster um, he was just exceptional and in that semi-final he had a brilliant performance as well I remember probably with 10 minutes to go I got a pass from Doug Howlett we were attacking the Leinster line got a little bit of space now it didn't look like I'd score but um, the one player that came across and, and kind of made the tackle and knocked me into touch was Rocky Elsom I think he's cover tackling his ability on the ball and, and his speed and power when he carried was just unbelievable so I played a league game earlier in that season down in Thoman Park and um, a ball slapped down from a line-out and Rocky Elson ran through and kind of grabbed it and I was trying to scrag him or tackle him high and he fended me off and took off. But thankfully, the referee he blew the whistle and it was uh, the ball was deemed to be knocked on because uh, I don't think I would have caught Rocky Elson. He was incredibly quick for a wing forward and uh, so much power, so much energy, um, to get over the game line and big and physical as well so I think uh, just the impact he had on Leinster is stand out for everyone and we were very aware of that as Munster players trying to limit the space that you would allow Rocky Elson get or have with the ball in hand because he was so incredibly powerful and, and quick over the game line and um, obviously had a huge impact in Leinster some of these critics, these pundits. I absolutely adore them, lads. I have unbelievable time from, but they're, they're a great bunch, but it's not acceptable. I'd like to play the hard man when, when they're on it. It's not very pleasant when you're trying to manage a team. All you're looking for is a bit of civility and a bit of decency, but they just dismiss you like, like you, you know, you have nothing to do with the bloody occasion. Five past nine, that is the cue for the quick picks. Ashling, good morning to you. Good morning, Adrian. How are you? Good. Tommy, how are you getting on? Morning, folks. How are we all? The big guns are back. What's happening? We all pumped for the weekend. What are we calling it? A wonderful weekend. We should like come up with some sort of marketing slogan right here. The big guns are back, I think, is probably the marketing slogan, is. isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Who are the big guns? Tommy's. 
Oh, okay. <laughs> oh. Thank you. If, if I you appear distracted, me. if I appear distracted over the next half an hour, it's because I'm trying to get tickets to Bruce anywhere in the world. Oh. I'm kicking myself. Slept in this morning. I'm You're trying to get them anywhere in the world. Oh, I'll go to see him in Rome, Barcelona, Amsterdam, oh, wherever. Cheaper than Dublin, at least. Well, Tommy, do you know that? Um, Oh, sorry, which would you be more willing to pay 130 euro for? A Bruce Springsteen ticket or one of Adrian Barry's cheese boards? Because that's what a commenter was getting in this morning, that they're r- roughly around the same price. Oh. Um, they wouldn't be around the same price at all. I wouldn't really have to think of it that own. It'd be Bruce yeah. Springsteen. Okay. I, I, I should get but I'm a big Bruce Springsteen st- a fan, you know? Like, there's, there's other people that maybe that might go for the cheese board. You know, other people of Adrian's own... Uh, own st- Standard of person, you know. I one thing that I'm really surprised about is like Tommy is such a like theater buff, like a gore. He's cultured. This sort of concert, like rock concert stuff, doesn't really fit with the persona, <laughs> with the GA persona. <laughs> well, I think Bruce probably fits in perfectly with the GA persona. Everybody listening to the quick picks would be insulted by any Bruce Springsteen slander. This to be morning. fair, they'll yeah. also be saying, "Would you get on with it?" So we'll do that. I don't know. Have we got a leaderboard? We've got a leaderboard, we've got a leaderboard. We have a leaderboard. Oh, I've never still seen Still Tommy. Let's not linger on that too much. Tommy's got uh, an asterisk beside him because he didn't do one of the really hard weeks. Exactly, which means he should really just tuck in there at the bottom on. You're absolutely right. I mean, if Tommy gets passed out this year by anybody, it will be a Listen, humiliation for him. That's, there's an asterisk beside Dublin's name in 2020 when they won the COVID on Ireland. I don't think they'll care about that. Well, there's an asterisk beside me than whatever year it was too when they threw the ball over the line. So listen, that's, you know... <laughs> Still talking about exactly. that. Let's not get into that. We don't, we don't care about that. Right. Um, Ulster final, first up. And wow, we have three. Oh. Uh, did I go for Derry? I definitely meant to go for Donegal. Um, Look at him scurrying away from the ship. No, I, I definitely. I mean, I need to check back in my emails, but I definitely meant to say Donegal. So I, oh, I, I have no. Derry. It's really three Donegal. Can I. Am I allowed you to change, change that? No, well, if it's your not, email, it's not, I'm not hold changing. Hold on a second. Hold on a second. If your email says, well, I can double check that says, while while flash it up there again till we see exactly. Yeah, can I just can I just ask a question? Like Tommy, you weren't on. No, I went for Donegal. I can confirm you, I went for Donegal. You, you weren't okay, on. Well Tommy, you weren't on the quick picks when we did the preview for the Derry Monaghan game, and mm. I was wondering why you had jumped ship on Derry, and you stayed off the ship even though you were the one to tip Derry against Tyrone. So what's yeah. what, what's happened here? Why why have you lost consistency in your belief in Derry? Um, I thought Derry had thrown in their crosshairs for months and months and months and I think I put too much stock in Monaghan and Monaghan's a, where Monaghan were at I thought Monaghan were primed for Ulster this year I thought Derry were maybe another year away I think I think this Derry team there's no ceiling on where they can go I just think they're not at their their gym in 2011 do you know they're done a goal in 2011 they're another year off can I throw I it out to you Tommy that they were they caught a bad Tyrone team at a low ebb and Monaghan kicked a scatter of wides, missed a load of chances. A couple of those go the right way and it's a very different conversation. Oh, I think I think that's true. I think when Monaghan put the squeeze on Derry, I was surprised watching that game back because I didn't see it live. I watched it back twice. I was surprised that Monaghan didn't catch Derry really in that second half. Now, that's not saying that I don't think this game is going to go into the wire. I think there's going to be a point in this either way. Maybe two points. I think Donegal are just going to have a bit too much this time around. I'm, I'm, I know, I don't know. <laughs> I'm, I'm finding myself doubting myself when I say it. I just think Langan. I think Langan and Thompson are going to make a difference this weekend. They weren't great the last day out against Cavan, 
they weren't there last year against Derry. I think one of them was missing against Derry when it went down to the wire. I think Langan and Thompson are going to make a big difference this weekend. I was at the Monaghan Derry game and I was so impressed with Derry defensively how they just frustrated them. Like we're talking about them not taking those chances, but they didn't get those chances because they were so frustrated. They there was always three, four men around one mm. and it, it was very tough for Monaghan to, to play the way they wanted to play because they weren't allowed to play that way. So I do believe, I don't think this is a, in any way a flash in the pan for Derry. And um, we seen them coming last year. We all talked about it last year against Donegal, 15 points to 16 in Valley Buffet. And that was when everyone took notice. And now we're seeing they've bet the, the reign in All-Ireland champions. They've bet Monaghan, who at Monaghan have been brilliant all year. So I don't think that in any way we should be saying that, oh, you know, they just didn't take their chances or, you know, it was not a Monaghan team at their best or it wasn't a Tyrone team that are fully there at the moment, which, which they're not. But they have mm-hmm. bet two good teams and they bet them comfortably, you know, they really have. So, uh, I, no, I, I would back them the, the whole way, to be honest. I think that they're, they're, they're going to beat Donegal. Um, I do think wow. it's going to be, I do think it's going to be tough for Donegal. I do think they'll put up a huge fight. It's massive for Declan Bonner. He needs this big win. It's their last chance. Actually, yeah, Donegal's last and I chance. Love That's why I'm, how many last chances have they had though? Like, I, I'm, but this is, this is it on. This is their Declan last Bonner's chance. last chance. Yeah. I, I'm, mm. I'm with Ashley on this one. I'm absolutely buying the hype on Derry this year. And, you're right, it has been building for a while, but it feels like a five-year plan that has just sparked into an overnight success. That we know what's gone on under the surface, but what we've seen above the surface is just a, an explosion into life. And we know it's a lot more than that. I think the comparisons with the Jim McGinnis Donegal era are very, very interesting because that's what I'm feeling when I'm looking at this Donegal, or this, see, this Derry team at mm-hmm. the moment, is that I'm seeing that Jim McGinnis era Donegal, the celebrations from Rory Gallagher, the uh, passion on the pitch from the players, it just speaks to me that we're seeing a team that is destined for great things. I'm not sure it's going to lead to an All-Ireland, but I think it's going to lead to an Ulster title this weekend. I think that if you look at some of the players that they have, these are not players that are overachieving. These are players in a number of positions that could arguably be some of the best players in their position in the country. Like if you see mm. the likes of Rogers, McCaig, Glass, McKinless, McGuigan all getting all-stars this year, you'd be like, fair enough. Like th- this isn't like some sort of flash in the pan where a team just comes out of nowhere and has one great year. It's like, fair enough, those five players in particular could be in the conversation for five of the best players in their position in the country. So this is what this is the standard we're basing it off. And on your point, Adrian, about you know the, the, the bounce of a ball going a different way in, in, in the Monaghan game in particular, you could say that about pretty much all of Donegal's games in 2012. The goal they scored against Kerry, fluky. The goals against Mayo, particularly <laughs> the first one. Uh, like, I mean, there's, there is a... The first one against Mayo was not... Not a fluke. The, was what are you talking the, about? It's was, one of the great All Ireland goals maybe, ever. Maybe it was okay. Maybe not a fluke. Lacey to Murphy back in. What out. happened what in the second one? Talking about fluke. Second one, McFadden buries it. Like it's not a fluke. Like, but it, it was a, a bit of tactical genius. They targeted an area of Mayo's defence that they thought, right, we're going to get him here. I think a lot of. I think a lot of Mayo people would say that those goals were preventable. But my point, Tommy, is that they weren't flukes. You, but my, my point is this, is that you can make a case of what if a team had done something better against that Donegal team? Yeah. What if they had been better under the high ball, is my point. And it's like, well, they weren't. And Donegal won the All-Ireland. And I think the same can be said for Derry over the last couple of weeks. The, the, the what-ifs around Monaghan, they didn't do it. Derry did it. Derry were the ones who, who buried their <laughs> yeah, goal opportunities. Derry were, Derry were the team who, who took their scoring opportunities. And that, for me, is the, the comparison between themselves and Donegal over the, the course of 2012, is that Donegal took their opportunities. And you could have no complaints when you come away from that year. And Jim McGuinness and that team 
our All Ireland winners. So uh, I apologise, Tommy. I clearly have offended you quite a bit there. Uh, not, not a flu. I just love that Murphy. Uh, I just love that Murphy goal. It's one of my favourite All Ireland. But like, I, no, just, I, I just think those comparisons are, are really interesting, and, and I'm getting the yeah. same feeling off off this Derry team as I did in Donegal in 2012. So I mean it as a compliment, Tommy. And not you can, as, you can not as feel a, it. Like when um, I was there at the, at the Monaghan game, you can feel the passion. You can feel yeah, there's something brewing. Speaking to the players, they buy into it big time. You know, they, they're buzzing. And the likes of Garrett McInnes, what a player. He is that link man from defence to attack. And he's he's scoring goals, he's scoring points, but he's setting people up as well. And it's straight from the training pitch stuff. So everything is coming straight. It's no flukes in it whatsoever. You know, I don't think. And it's, they um, take every chance I, as well. I don't think there's, I don't think there's any flukes in it either. Mm. I just think that Donegal have a sting in them. I think when Owen lists out the, the Derry players there that could be the best in the country, you're looking at Patton, Murphy, Bon Gallagher, McHugh, McBrearty. Donegal have it on the same side. This is going to be a cracking game of football. It's going to go down to the wire. I wouldn't be disappointed if Derry were, were to win. I really wouldn't because I think they're going to have a say in the championship. Even if they lose, I just think Donegal... I've backed them a few times. They're not going to let me down this time. <laughs> That's the reason, Tommy. I uh, I just think that I think there's so much validity in Ashling. You've seen a lot of them up close, and uh, and that cannot be discounted. But who are you I, going for? I'm going for Donegal. It's, it's, uh, okay. That was written on the email, and I'm absolutely going for Donegal. Uh, I just think that there's probably a lot in what Owen is saying about a coming team. But I just don't think we've seen enough evidence of them playing enough against enough quality yet. And even Ashing's point about McKinless, I know Ian Fitzmaurice was talking during the week about the space that that Derry team were given down through the middle and the counter-attack particularly. Donegal are not going to allow that. They're just not because of the team that they are and because they'll have seen it happen in the previous matches. So um, that's why I'm leaning for Donegal. That's the Ulster final. Let's get into the Connacht final. And again, we have a split jury here. We have Adrian, Ashling, Owen, all Galway, and then we have Will and Tommy, who are back in the Rossies. Uh, it is. It's the, the hardest one to call, isn't it, Tommy? Oh, is it the hardest? Yeah, yeah, they're both tight games. Derry Donegal, Galway vs Common are tight games. Adrian, I think. Um, yeah, they're tough to call. They're really tough to call. I, I think this one's going to be a shootout. Um, I just don't think either side have been fully tested this year. Mm. You know, Division 2, Galway looked like they were world beaters at times in Division 2. Then they seemed to taper off a little bit towards the league final. They seemed to have their eye on Mayo. They did the job against Mayo, but they just about got over the line. So hard to know where Roscommon are at. They're up and down from Division 1, Division 2. I think there's something in Roscommon when it gets to a Connacht final that they really believe in themselves and I think Roscommon I think not trying to be insulting here but I, I just think that similar to where Derry are at I think the provincial final for them is in All-Ireland at the moment same with Monaghan I just think those counties at the minute it, it's just a huge um, a huge target for them at the start of every year so I, I think they really back themselves when they get to this stage right. whereas with Galway there's a, there's a very good chance you might have an eye elsewhere or you might get distracted a wee bit I don't know I just think I'm going to go with the Rossies here it's whether you put more the question here is whether you put more stock into the two league wins where it's coming to beat Galway or Galway beating Mayo and I'm going with the latter yeah. yeah that's fair this is it because we're, we're looking at those two league games but it's, it is league at the end of the day I know one was the division two final but um, the likes of Shane Walsh only came off the bench in the, in the last few minutes of that game they weren't a full tilt so I think after the Mayo game in Castlebar, they're still on a high from that game. And this is their best chance of going to win a Connacht Championship. Portick Joyce is three years in now. 
he is now mm. silverware. He hasn't had a big moment yet. The big moment, I suppose, was against Mayo. But now this is the next big moment and this is their chance to, to get this silverware and I think they'll be absolutely gunning for it. I, I do rate Roscommon. They're a brilliant team. But I think when the likes of Paul Connery midfield, you know, he's unbelievable. When he gets going, uh, Shane Walsh, Damien Comer, the likes, you know, it, it's mm-hmm. tough to stop. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to stick with Galway. I think Galway, to an extent, haven't been given any credit, including ourselves. Like, I mean, I think uh, Mayo are still ahead of them in the power rankings, for example, you know, just, uh, just the cursory mention of that. Uh, yeah. And I, I think that uh, I think that speaks to the fact that maybe we're still kind of holding our horses a little bit because, as you say, Ashling, it felt like Mayo was the final. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that, like that's not a criticism of Galway at all. It just, it, that was a massive game. That was one of the biggest games of the championship so far. Galway against Mayo is always going to be that way. But Roscommon have been waiting in the long grass. Again, I've, I've backed Galway, so what am I talking about here? I'm, I just think that that league final, and especially the game before that in the league, I, I don't think we can read too much into it. As you say, Shane Walsh coming in late into that game, and Galway, I don't know, they just seem to concede these wide open spaces where all of the Ross Common forwards caused wreck. Every single one of them had a, had a fantastic day at the office that day. I can't see all of those Ross Common forwards having such a, a good day this week. And if they manage to limit that to, to three of the Ross Common forwards, as opposed to six this time, I think Galway win this game. I, I definitely. I, I think it's Galway's. I think that also think that uh, it's sort of now or never almost for that Roscommon team, just given the momentum that they have behind them in terms of the league, the Galway results, the under twenties. It, it might be a very different uh, scenario for them in twelve months' time. So that's that one. Uh, we're moving into the Talton Cup now, and we're going to kick off here with Cavan Down. I mean, uh, there's no discussion to be had here. I think if Cavan come close to the um, performance they put up against Donegal, they get through that easy enough. And we've all gone for Cavan, so let's not linger on it. Lee Tremont. Has Ashton O'Reilly gone, has Ashton O'Reilly gone for Cavan? Absolutely. That is surprising. Let's not lie. Better than double bluff here. Let's, what let's, linger, let's linger on down here for a few minutes. Ash- oh, when you joking, okay, keep going. No, there is no, there's no conversation to be had. They're, they're in uh, dire straits at the minute. I think every person in Down will tell you that. And hopefully next year we, we'll see um, a bit of a difference there. But uh, yeah, it is. It's, it's sad to see that it's gone that way. Um, I think James McCartan, he is a great manager. He deserves a lot more respect. And I think that we'll see a big change. I think hopefully come next year we have to. But uh, yeah, no conversation really against Calvin. I don't think so. Leitrim Antrim. Uh, it is Antrim across the board here. Oh, Ashling. Oh, I'm surprised with that. Oh, I went back and forth on this one. I, I wasn't sure, to be honest. Um, I think Leitrim at home and Antrim, they don't travel too well, if I remember correctly. I, I don't ever remember the travelling really well. So, uh, yeah, I was saying Leitrim and then I went back to Antrim again. Um, yeah, I don't think there's going to be much in it. I think it could go down to the wire. But uh, for me, yeah, I just, I just about called Antrim. But uh, it, was, it was a close call. Was it a close call for you? Yeah, there's nothing in it. Yeah, kind of, kind of. Like I think the venue is the thing that was kind of making me sweat a little bit over this. But uh, they were in different positions as teams. Like uh, it, it wouldn't have taken a whole pile of results to go different ways for Antrim to be in the mix out of promotion for Division Three. Um, so, like I, I think that, that would have that probably says where they're at compared to, to Leitrim at the moment. So they they are in different places. I feel, but the fact that they're the games on a Carrick and Shannon, the fact that Antrim took bit of a hammering I know uh, Leitrim conceded four goals and 20 points against Galway but the, the hammering Antrim took was, was severe as well I, I don't know I feel that there's like a lot of intangibles that I'm pointing towards here where, where I was a little bit nervous but I think the fact that we've all gone for Antrim probably speaks to the difference that we, we saw in the league at least and the difference in class um, Tommy's <sighs> doing know. Tommy's like throwing Antrim out here and then you know listening to the football pod during the week he's going from Leitrim over there so he'd be going for a draw somewhere else when he's on another well, no, no 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 well, well James and Paddy both went for Leitrim they did, and I didn't want to give them the kiss of death anytime 
anytime the three of us have gone for one team, we were getting abuse saying, why on earth did you do that? I think Offaly lost. The Clare 20s lost. There's been two other teams that have blamed us, essentially, for all backing them at once. So I had to think about this one. I actually said Lee Antrim will win after extra time. I think Carrick and Shannon's going to be rocking on Sunday. It's actually, again, probably the most interesting Talchon Cup tie that we've had yet. Two teams that aren't that exposed to playing each other. Two young management teams, um, you know, with a, with a bit of a groove and a bit of momentum behind them. I think it's going to be really exciting down in Carrick and Shannon. And I wouldn't be surprised if it went down to extra time. wouldn't be surprised if Leitrim won it. I'm surprised that everyone's going for Antrim. I'm surprised, yeah. like Antrim are four to seven on. I'm surprised by that as well. Um, I think it's going to be a lot tighter than that. I just, I just felt like Antrim might just have that extra bit, having played in Division Three in the last year and competed uh, in Ulster. Awfully Wicklow. Let's see if we have any points of difference here. We do. <laughs> Tommy, you're going Wicklow, and everybody else is on Awfully. What are you thinking? Are you just trying to be contrarian? No. Um, I'm just not sure. I'm buying Awfully. Just not sure I'm buying off. I, I watched them in the league twice. I watched the game last weekend on GA go against Wexford. I thought Wexford should have beaten them. Offaly definitely have some really good young footballers that are coming through. Lee Pearson has been sensational for them this year, but he's probably the only 20 that has actually made an under 20 that has made an impact. The only under 20 All-Ireland winner. Like... McNamee, is, is, like, McNamee scored 1-5 last week without having the greatest game. Anton Sullivan had a good game. Johnny Maloney had a mighty game in, in centre-back. But I just felt like Wexford still should have beaten them. And I kind of like what I'm seeing with Wicklow. There's a there's a bit of abandon about them this year. They, like Their manager walked away in the league. Alan Costello came in. Um, they had a very good performance against Leash in the Championship. Decent win the last day against Waterford. They're getting goals, and I think that might be important this weekend again. And I just think Wicklow are going to get the job done. Kevin Quinn, if he gets a hat trick again, he scored I think five or six goals in the championship this year. If he gets another hat trick, they'll definitely beat them. Young full forward, we're keeping an eye on. I need to get off the bottom of that table. That's quick picks. Thanks, folks. I absolutely adore them lads. I have unbelievable time for them, but they're, they're a great bunch. But it's not acceptable. Oh. Thanks, Emil. Right, oh, uh, 25 past, we're coming up on 25 past nine. It's a fluid live situation here on OTBM this Friday morning. And uh, I'm going to give you a reminder of our Skoda competition in just a moment's time. But before that, I want to let you know that Dublin teams from all four codes are going to wear special one-off jerseys in their next matches. They're raising awareness for the Support for Drummo fundraising campaign that you've most likely heard about by now. Sean Drummond, former Kula and Dublin GEA underage player, he suffered life-changing injuries in an accident in London after finishing college exams in 2019. And the Sean Drummond Trust will use all the donations to help Sean regain as much independence and self-determination uh, as is possible. And we wish them all the very best luck with that campaign. You'll see it across the jerseys over the coming weeks. And you can make a donation. You just head along to their GoFundMe page. Search for support for the number four, Drummo, D-R-U-M-M-O. And we wish them the best luck with that. It's 25 past nine. In just a moment's time, we've got the uh, live crappy quiz coming your way. It's myself versus JD versus Tommy. Uh, but before all that, a reminder that uh, we're calling all cycling enthusiasts all week here on OTBAM. Skoda are the official main partner of the Tour de France. And to celebrate here, we've a once-in-a-lifetime giveaway. It's an amazing prize. It's a VIP trip to stage 13 of the Tour de France. And it's the 14th to the 16th of July. So you need to be available for those dates. It includes flights. It includes accommodation. And you can also bring along one uh, lucky friend. So you just named this Irish cyclist to enter today uh, who enjoyed 17 years as a pro, 25 four grand tours dad's a cyclist and you'll have also seen him on Dancing with the Stars you will still see people taking risks to get a shot on TV in some crazy costume 
So to enter, just uh, hit us up on Off The Ball on our Twitter account or on the OTBIM Twitter account. Uh, each daily winner is going to win a €100, Euro, one for all voucher and a Skoda cycling jersey. And they'll also go into the draw for the grand prize that I've just mentioned there. It's an amazing prize. Uh, best of luck if you're entering that. And Skoda drivers, by the way, a reminder for you, another chance to win if you check out skodaservice.ie. Right, here's what's coming up on OTB Sports Radio over the course of the day. Half past ten uh, will be the football kickoff, and uh, the lads will be marking a card for the weekend's games. OTB Gold from one Joe meeting uh, Ruby Walsh there. Three o'clock is live Friday night racing. Four o'clock, Shane Supple is the uh, subject of Team 33's League of Ireland Legend interview. Six o'clock, it's the football special on OTB Gold with Given Quinn, McIntyre, and Kilban. And then seven o'clock, off the ball live on your radio on uh, News Talk and across YouTube and all our social channels as well. The weekend lineup speaks for itself. It's going to be across all of the action. Uh, plenty of reaction as well, right across the Champions League, live commentary of the Champions Cup final uh, and Championship action as well. You can follow Off the Ball across our social platforms if you're watching us on YouTube, but you haven't subscribed, do it now. What are you waiting for? Please uh, join the club, hit subscribe for plenty more news, analysis, reaction and debate as well. And while we're at it, you can download the OTB Sports app as well. You can listen to OTB AM as a radio show each morning. It is 27 minutes past nine. Time for the crappy quiz. Chris Martin. Oh, you're kidding me. September. Kyle Lafferty. Are you joking me? Is that right? I know. Is that right? Uh, Anybody else? Leash, was it? Like, that is one of the most stupid questions. Darius Vassell? Seriously, you only need to just stay quiet. This is getting really annoying doing this quiz. What is going on here? (laughs) (laughs) Welcome, welcome, welcome. Welcome along to the shoutiest segment on Irish radio. It's the scintillating, it's the stupefying, it's the splendido crappy quiz. Every Friday, we pit three of team off the ball up against each other in our no-holds-barred quiz of sporting factoids at the end of the week. Allow me to welcome today's contestants. Our first contestant is ready to kick some French ass this weekend. He's going to ceremonially burn a beret before tomorrow's Champions Cup final and then ruthlessly pour a full bottle of 1985 Henri J.R. Richberg down the sink, <laughs> film it all and tweet it at Ronan O'Gara 10. You can't put a price on pre-match bans, but that 35 grand bottle of wine was admittedly on the sleep side. Give it up for Adrian, who's your daddy Barry. I do need to be keeping note of all these wines that because you, you're obviously doing way more research into wine than I am. What do, you, what do you do? You just Google what's an expensive bottle of wine. Most expensive wine. That's what you do, and then just. Um, I'm feeling lucky then and to Google and see what pops up. <laughs> Our next contestant pretends to be a me GEA man, but his deep dark secret is that in reality he is a Claire GEA man. So. This week, he was particularly nervous when he went on Twitter and saw the hashtag GEA catfish trending. Give it up for the Mead Hill Billy Tommy Rooney. What a story. Need to catch There's up too many this. receipts. There's too many receipts out there. I just got tickets to Bruce Springsteen, so I only half heard that. I just heard GEA catfish. Whereabouts? Jesus. Uh, Dolan. Tuesday night. How much did you Danny. pay for them? She for sorted me out. I don't know. She's out there booking them now. I don't know. I think you're going to probably... She for Thanks. <laughs> going to have a hell of a revolution in your hands in just a few minutes time uh, our final <laughs> contestant is the broadcasting king of Saturday afternoons such as his level of dominance that his rivals have started to run for the hills what rivals you might ask well what about a certain Chris Kamara or a Mr Mark Lawrenson ever think it's more than just a coincidence that they've decided to pack their bags when their schedules overlapped with this man give it up for John Duggan aka Don Juggan thanks Owen and it's interesting because <laughs> Laro's left BBC and he's actually in here tomorrow so um, oh, cool We've Can't beat him, or, join him, John. Exactly. So he, he's, he, 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 the moment he 
he left he, he rang me up and said I want to be on off the ball Saturday and he's talking he's here tomorrow makes sense as ever the format is a classic crappy quiz with a series of questions on a range of themes and it's on to the rapid fire round which is our slip and slide of trivia you can podcast a crappy quiz on otbsports.com or on the OTB Sports app if you're watching on YouTube make sure to click the thumbs up even if we contribute nothing but misery to your day also any postcards uh, with questions we much appreciate it you can send them to crappy quiz quizmaster off the ball towers Marconi House Diggs Lane Dublin 2 round 1 as ever is the boring questions round never multiple choice Adrian only twice has the final of the Heineken Cup gone to extra time. On both occasions, the trophy was taken home by the same team. Which team? Um, who did Cardiff play when it went to... Uh, was that the final? No, maybe that wasn't even the final. Decisions, decisions, decisions. I am going to go with... Leicester? No, it's not Leicester. Toulouse. Hard luck. Hard luck. Tommy. Good guess. Can you name the most recent first-time champions of the Ulster Senior Football Championship? It's a hard question. Um, is there any chance it was Tyrone? It's not Tyrone. They got off the mark in the 1960s. The answer is Donegal. 1972 was their first Ulster Championship. So Should have got that. John, can you name both of the goal scorers in the last Champions League final that saw Carlo Ancelotti go up against Liverpool? Bit of a hint there. I guess so. Felipe Inzaghi. So. Yeah, that's one. Who's the other one? I, Inzaghi was, felt like a bit of a tap-in, so that's why I'm asking for two. I think I remember. Kaka? No, it's not. Was it, it was Liverpool. Was it, it was Dirk Height. It was Dirk Height, yeah. Oh, I Dirk thought you meant from Milan, sorry. that's. I thought you meant both from Milan. Yeah, I was, I was confused. Well, then you should have said Inzaghi scored both goals, John. Yeah, and I was confused. 4.15am starts. Inzaghi, which two count with Liverpool. So I get nothing for that. Nothing for that, unfortunately, John. I just, sorry for the difficulty on that one. But John does come into this quiz on the back of the Masters extravaganza last month, which was utterly astonishing. Round two. JD JD is also sitting in Arthur Arthur O'PhD's seat. He is. Arthur didn't get a call up this week because Phil Egan was unavailable for the showdown. We will make that showdown happen at some point. The hype is just building. Uh, we need to get somebody to come in and actually become the kingmaker in this particular fight, even if they're their characters. <laughs> You're looking at me as in you need to get out of your seat and let somebody uh, else in. I'm, no, R- round two. It. Round two is uh, Cullum's Wikipedia list round. Sorry, our Wikipedia list round. Uh, the game is simple. I will list from Wikipedia in order from first to last the clubs a footballer has played for. And all you got to do is guess the footballer in question. The first person to do so will win the point. So there's one major rule here. To avoid the complete carnage of a guessing free-for-all, each contestant must state their own name before guessing a player. Of course, this is the crappy quiz. So your names are your crappy quiz nicknames. We have the Meath Hillbilly, we have Don Juggin, and we have Who's Your Daddy. Failure to do so will eliminate the contestant. <laughs> so it's a free-for-all. We can all jump in. Yes, but you can only guess once per club named. Ready? So you shout your name. And guess, yeah. And you guess. Okay, so first one. This first player started their senior professional career with... Nottingham Forest. Who's your daddy? Go for it. Um, 
senior professional karate king. No. What? He like, then, can he be knocked out for that ridiculous no. guess? He then he also took ages there. He then moved to Tottenham Hotspur. He then moved to Charlton Athletic. Who's your daddy? Yeah. Oh, I know who it is. Um, uh, too long. I'm jogging. Andy Andy Reed. Reed. Andy Reed. John Duggan gets the points. Uh, Andy Reid. Oh. Ah. Well done, John. You took too long there. I mean, you can't be coming in. No, 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 you're not knocked out. You can get one per club. You can get one guess per club. You get one guess per club. Oh, per club. Oh, sorry. I'm I'm, I'm, I'm half Uh, So, not jumping in is a mistake, basically. Oh, okay. John is off the mark. Question. But no, hold on. Not jumping in. There has to be a limit. Like, you have to. No, no. Jump in as many times as you want, Tom. You have to have an answer. Come on. This second player started their senior professional career with Julius Berger. He then went on loan to Hill Vicente. He then uh, who's your daddy to Erling Haaland no he then moved <laughs> to Maccabi Haifa uh, who's your daddy yeah um, Yassi Ben Aden no he then went on loan to Hapoel Kfar Saba uh, Mead Hillbilly yeah <laughs> Hope of Femi Martins. Correct. No, 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 no. What? What? I was looking at Hope of Femi Martins for a different question, and I actually didn't end up going for it. Who's your daddy? Uh, he de- yeah. Henrik Larsson. No, he then went on loan to Portsmouth. He then moved permanently to Portsmouth. Oh, uh, uh, who's your daddy? Yeah. Uh, Benjani. No, he then moved <laughs> to Middlesbrough. Mead Hillbilly. Yeah. <laughs> Don Jogan Yes Don Jogan oh, gets it <laughs> Wait how could Don Jogan Jump in when I had the Well you took too long Yeah I also get the wrong answer Okay John has uh, Opened up a two point gap here This final player Started their senior Professional career with Birmingham City He then Who's moved Yeah Kenny Cunningham No He then moved to Crystal Palace He then Moved to Everton Meet Hillbilly Yeah Townsend. No. He then moved to... Who's your daddy? Yeah. Uh, Alan Stubbs. He then moved to Fulham. Who's your daddy? Yeah. Scott Parker. No. He then moved to QPR. Who's your daddy? No. Uh, yeah. F- <laughs> 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 it, give me go, a go for it. Ferdinand. No. He then finished his career by moving to Crystal Palace. Anyone? Going once. Italy. Yeah. Uh, Scott Dan. No. Going once. Going twice. Meet Hillbilly. Gone. No, you know you can't have a the second answer guess. Answer was Andrew round. Johnson. That was hard. Round three is the past the parcel of doom round. In this round, Jeez all you got to do is give me a name that's on a list of names. I have the parcel of doom, and it passes on to the next contestant, who then also has to give me a name. We'll keep moving it on until you get a, a name wrong, or you can't give me a name, and then you're eliminated. The last man standing gets the point. Adrian, you kick us off in the first one. Can you name a team that has appeared in the European Cup slash Champions League final, but has not won it? Has never won it. Has never won it, but has made the final. Um, Gonna need to ask you. Come to on, quite uh, prompt, knock him yeah. out. Knock him out. No, no, no. Five, no, knock out. No, no, no. Four, um, three. No, no, no. Hang on. Hang, two, on, hang on. Hang on. One. PSG. Correct. It goes to Tommy next. Fulham. Fulham is not oh, correct. No. Oof. What? Fulham lost to a Europa Fulham League. Lost. What did you? What was the question? European Cup slash Champions League. Yeah, Tommy, get with it. <laughs> oh Jesus! John, I dropped my pen. I just misheard you. Uh, Stout, uh, it was um, Sampdoria. Sampdoria is correct. What? He said Stout. 
<laughs> he said stow. <laughs> no, no. How no, can no. you go stow? Well, no, to be stow. fair, the word, word, words, first words Adrian, out of his mouth. Adrian, come on. No, no, the first, ah. come on, we got to go with the first words out of his mouth here. Come he on. He said Sampdoria. The first full club he said was Sampdoria. I'm jogging, come on now. Stow. Adrian. He said stow. Uh, but I've never won it. Uh, we go with... Borussia Mönchengladbach, no? Correct. 1977. Well done. Should make Paul O'Connell impression there. Yeah, it was very good. John? Eintracht Frankfurt. Eintracht Frankfurt is correct. 1960. Um, he said Stow. <laughs> Come on, Adrian. Nantes. Nantes is not correct. John gets the point. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the full list. Arsenal, Atletico, Bayer Leverkusen, Club Brugge. Fiorentina, Leeds United, Malmo, Man City, Monaco, Panathinaikos, Partizan, Rez, Roma, San Etienne, Tottenham, and Valencia. What about Stow? <laughs> Tot- <laughs> Tommy, rather. Uh, and a shout out to YouTube commenter123456 who suggested this one last week. Can you name a club that has been relegated from the Premier League ever? This is a long list. Ah, oh, stop. This is we, ridiculous. We, we need to be quick here, Tommy. So you're first. Leeds. Leeds is correct. It goes to John next. Ipswich Town. Ipswich Town is correct. Birmingham. Birmingham, yeah. Swindon. Swindon is correct. Charlton. Charlton, yeah. Preston. Preston is not correct. <laughs> oh, Jesus <laughs> No, Christ. Preston have never been in the Premier League, therefore never relegated from it. Oh, uh, so it is Tommy next. Portsmouth. Portsmouth is correct. Wolves. Yeah. Sunderland. Yeah. Swansea yeah uh, West Ham yeah Nottingham Forest yeah um, did he say someone said Southampton no that's fine John Blackpool Blackpool is correct Norwich Norwich yeah Bolton Wanders oh he's going at some clip here lads Tommy West Brom West Brom yeah you're keeping the pace um, Portsmouth has been said oh, you're out get Tommy gets get the points are you sure you want, to, you want to give John another chance there do you oh sure, sure. <laughs> John uh, you kick us off on this one can you name any um, team that has won a provincial men's football final this century in, in any county like Kerry yeah correct Adrian Dublin yeah Mead yeah John Cork yeah Mayo that's correct Roscommon yes Tipperary Tipperary is correct Um, Tyrone Tyrone is correct Cavan Cavan is correct Armagh yeah Donegal Donegal Um, so Kerry um Galway yeah correct this century um, do, 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 do. did I were Galway Roscommon were said Sligo correct great guess who's next uh, it's Adrian Monaghan Monaghan is correct we have three left can we complete the list I have um, three left Three left. The was uh, was Tyrone said. 
It was. What you you, you got to give your answer. You can't ask that question. Okay, so that, uh, from now on, what we're doing okay, is first. Okay. first he, he should be, okay. I technically, sorry, he should be out sorry. there. Stow, 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 stow. Hold on a second. He should Westmead. be out, JD. First, first county you say is your answer. Westmead. Correct. John. Leash. Oh, you are kidding me. I was sitting on the two of them. Adrian. There's one left. We've never completed a pass the parcel except for that one time. Come on, Adrian. You can do it. Come on. I was literally sitting on Leash and Westmead there as my, my two backup bankers. Come on, AB. Stow. If you don't get this, I'm giving uh, Tommy and John both a point. Ah, are you kidding me? No, I'm not. You can't do that. I can't. That's yeah. an asshole of a thing to I do. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and Tommy should also be out. Can I not be first to say it? Get the point. Um, I'm going to go with Claire. No, it was Kildare. Uh, so, John, you're up to four points. Tommy, you're up to two. Who said the Lancer Championship was dead, eh? For round four, it's a fun-free magic number round. Contestants get three points for getting the number exactly right. If no one manages that, the nearest contestant who doesn't go bust gets one point. Uh, gets two points. The second closest gets one point. I'm going to say that we can only accept the answer that's written on your paper. And I'm going to have to ask for your pens once the music ends. So if you don't mind, give us the following number. It's the number of times Derry have won the Ulster Football Championship. Plus the number of majors Justin Thomas has now won in his career. Plus the number of times Liverpool have won the European Cup slash Champions League. Plus the number of times the Golden State Warriors have won the NBA Championship in the Steve Kerr era. Your 30 seconds expire when Sinatra sings Bright Shiny Beads. So how many times have Derry won the Ulster Championship in football? How many majors has Justin Thomas won? How many times have Liverpool won the Champions League or European Cup? And how many times have the Warriors won the NBA Championship with Steve Kerr as their head coach? Adam, all together, what do you get? Tommy, we'll go to you first. Why is it always me first? 15. 15. 18 18 22 22 John Duggan banging the money it's 18 Ah, he moves to 7 points do you want to take us through them John Derry have how many I I had Derry down as I think 7 7 is correct Justin Thomas 2 2 Liverpool Uh, 6 and Warriors Uh, whatever whatever, 3 titles so far they're in the finals this year so 18 is the total John you're on 7 Tommy you're on 2 Adrian you're on nothing our winner tonight will be decided in the no team in particular ridiculously easy rapid fire round so the score you get in this round will be added to your score in the previous round 40 seconds for everyone to answer from the same set of questions we're going to start with John then on to Tommy then on to Adrian if you get a question correct I will ask you another question and keep asking you questions until you get one wrong and once you get a question wrong I move on to the next person and you get deducted a point John Duggan are you ready? yes 40 seconds starts now. Name the only team to have ever beaten Leinster in a Heineken Cup final. Saracens. Correct. Who did Liverpool beat in the quarterfinals of this year's Champions League? Um, time, time, time. Too long. Time, Benfica. Yeah. CJ Hamilton plays for what club, Tommy? Uh, Blackpool. Correct. Who was named under 20 footballer of the year this year? Rory Canavan. Correct. Yeah. Who won the Women's Champions League this year? Barcelona. No, Leon. Who won the Leinster Hurling Championship last year, Adrian? Um, Kilkenny. Correct. What club did Liverpool sign Ibrahima Kanate from? PS. Uh, no, Leipzig. Time. Uh, time. Aaron Cashman plays for what English club, John? Eric Cashman. Aaron. Uh, that doesn't matter. You won. Give me one more. Give me one more. Give me uh, one more. No, no, I'll save them for next one. week. You're done. The lessons the underworks we have to do next week. Well, how many points are in it? How many points are in it? Uh, John won it with uh, seven points. He stayed on seven points. Tommy, you finished up in three points. And Adrian, you finished on zero points. I had eight. Congratulations, written, John. JD. Sorry? JD, I had 18 written. I had 18 written. And I. 
Ah, Fifth Me Ante and all that stuff. That's sick. John Duggan with a casual beatdown this week once again. It's like Dublin versus Mead a few weeks ago all over again uh, just to let you know he doesn't even care look at him he doesn't even care uh, I mean he's got Tom you're going to Bruce Springsteen it's all okay he's got bigger fish yeah, to fry right. thanks John uh, we should say before we wrap up uh, our first road show in early three years is here the football pod have added uh, Mayo legend Keith Higgins to the lineup for Castle Bar on June the 2nd uh, so Paddy and James and Tommy of course are going to be there a brilliant night of football chat and plenty to focus on Mayo it's a football pod with Paddy, James, Tommy and Keith in Castle Bar on June the 2nd tickets are 20 euro plus booking fees go to otbsports.com com forward slash events now for more OTBAM brought to you live each morning by Gillette Labs for an effortless finish to your day we're back on Monday morning from half past seven with Mark Lawrence and Alan Quinlan Anthony Moyles and much more OTBAM with Gillette get into your flow with the new Gillette Labs razor with exfoliating bar